colleagues and guests. Uh, the apologies I've received is from Mr. Kwankwa, who will not be able to join us in the meeting today, and the chap and the minister. However, they, they, the 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 transnet is led by the chairperson of the board. Thank you, Chair. If I hear you, you said the minister also have an apology. Yes, Chairperson. Okay, there's no one from the ministry. The Director General is here, Chair. Okay. I was asking deliberately, there is no one from the ministry. I said the Director General is here. Okay. Um, then we will have to ask the Director General to do an opening or an overview before we give to Transnet. Uh, good morning, Chair, and uh, good morning to honorable members, uh, to the Chair of Transnet, as well as the, the executive team. Uh, Chair, let me also relay the apology of the Deputy Minister, who's also in the cabinet meeting this this morning, uh, we're having uh, uh, two submissions being tabled there, um, required uh, both the principals. So, if I can uh, uh, just uh, uh, sorry, sorry, my apology. Did you? Can I appeal to all members? when you are not provided with any opportunity to speak, to mute your gadget. It's important for all members to continue monitoring their gadget. Sometimes you don't have to press it deliberately to speak. You might hit it by mistake and it unmute and it will expose the conversation and what is behind this camera. Please, all and the people who are partaking in this portfolio committee, if you are not speaking, look carefully at your gadget and you remain muted. Thank you. Over to you, Honorable I mean, uh, Mr. Digi. No, thank you so much, Chair. Chair, we are here to present uh, Transnet annual uh, results, um, which presentation will be led by the board and executive team of Transnet. Uh, it was um, a difficult year, uh, as it will be seen uh, with the, when the figures are shared uh, with the committee. Uh, Transnet is very much exposed uh, to the economic cycle. Uh, and as we know, with the impact of the pandemic and, and some of the challenges uh, that we have had uh, with regards to, uh, to safety of, of, our, of our infrastructure, um, uh, that has uh, would have had um, a direct impact on the performance uh, of the business. And, and the, the team at Transnet has also had to contend uh, with the historical uh, malfeasance uh, in the business. And we'll see as they share uh, the, the, the figures with regard to irregular exp expenditure. It's unfortunately, it's, uh, these figures tend to have impact uh, on the performance uh, in the year we are reporting against uh, by virtue of how the regional expenditure framework um, has been uh, 
defines how, how the reporting sh should be done. It's an area that we need to look at uh, closely so that, uh, so to speak, the, the burden of the past does not um, uh, drag down the current performance uh, of the team that we have in place there. But with all those challenges, we believe that a good uh, a baseline has been set for better performance going forward. And the team will also share some of the uh, repositioning uh, strategies that they are undertaking uh, to show up the business. Uh, thank you so much, Chair. Um, we'll hand over to, uh, to, the, to the trusted team led by the chairperson, if that is okay with you, Chair. Thank you. Okay, be, before DG, we give that opportunity to the chair of the board and the, his executive. Uh, I should, I think, before even you started, I should have in my make my uh, opening remarks and deflect some issues that I think, though we are dealing with the annual report, but I expect the executive and trustnet to say something about those matters. I think we are engaging after some time and we have not been uh, engaging since some time ago, but uh, there are developments that we would like to get a sense from transnet side as to to what extent are those dealt with and get some kind of and uh, information just to put us on the same wavelength to understand those development. Uh, I mean issues such as corporatization of National Port Authority and its impact on Transnet as an entity. Uh, there was also some cyber attacks on the systems of Transnet. We would like to get some kind of a an update as to what happened and the, to what extent is that issue is being dealt. Also, there's been an announcement uh, to the effect that there will be a retrenchment of 10% of the employees, among others, at Transnet. And uh, we hope that also, as you continue briefing us during this presentation, you sort of putting us in the same wavelength to understand exactly what uh, what contributing factors to do that kind of uh, uh, pronouncement. We still believe that Transnet is a backbone of our economy and we can't afford to have a weak Transnet. As members of this legislative arm of the state, we're here to provide a port towards your developmental agenda and the, we will not uh, fail to provide you with all those kind of necessary support from us as politicians. Uh, there are all other issues pertaining uh, to the port in I think it's, uh, it's, it's uh, where there was a cases of where group of workers that were were, were, were fired and later they won the case uh, from CCMA or Labour Court. I'm not 
presidential party, uh, we heard and we have been uh, bombarded with a lot of correspondence from them uh, seeking for our intervention because seemingly despite that they won the case and the Transnet has not been able to respond positively in terms of them going back to work. Therefore, all those information, I'm putting it when new because I don't want to disturb the members when they are asking questions. Uh, I want to play not necessarily raising my issue. I want in the process of presentation you give us that, that, that those kind of uh, information. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry if uh, DG you would like to come back on those matters or you will allow Transnet chairperson and the poor, I mean, and the executive to deal with. Thanks. Uh, I give over to the chairperson of the board or the DG, if the DG would like to come back. Now, I'm, I'm good uh, if the, the chair of the board can take over. Thank you so much. Uh, <clears throat> good, good morning, chairperson and uh, honorable members of the portfolio committee directors. Uh, DG and the executive uh, management team. Uh, the, the annual report will be presented by the GCE and the team. Uh, the audit committee will play a critical role as well in that regard. Um, in welcoming and appreciating the invitation, to transfer to meet with the portfolio committee. Uh, I wish that I be allowed to, to take a different approach to this question. Um, and the approach that may well sound like a, a record with a scratch, because we have been saying this thing for probably the last three years. Um, the, I think the impact of state capture on Transnet has been devastating. And, and, and that would become apparent in the, the audit of our annual financials, um, the irregularities that have been uh, identified today. But it also becomes apparent to weaknesses in our operational performances because our operational performances are also linked to the manner in which we contracted at the time when we procured locomotives, because these contracts did not include uh, an element of uh, maintenance of the equipment that we were procuring. The third issue was that because of the huge cost of the procurement, uh, the company dipped very deep into its COPEX uh, with the result that there was no adequate rehabilitation of the infrastructure network, uh, the network infrastructure on which the new locomotives were supposed to, to operate. 
But it didn't really, the problem didn't arise only in 2013-2014. There had been decades of neglect of maintenance of uh, of our rail uh, system generally. The the third issue, the fourth issue is the the challenges that uh, we we have experienced with regard to Recording we are in also progress. Trying to reduce the financial demand or constraint on Transnet in respect of investing in infrastructure because the PSP would avail to us uh, monies that would ordinarily not be available for us to invest in the expansion of the ports, uh, the improvement of uh, um, in Devon to reduce congestions there as well as dealing with Kabeha to make sure that we build it into uh, an effective regional transshipment port. Then we have challenges of policy constraints, which we have been discussing uh, with the government. Part of the problem of TFR uh, relates also to, and as, of course, the ports, uh, equipment, procurement of equipment on the port arise out of the local content uh, requirement. Our understanding initially was that local content requirement would mean that we should procure products that are manufactured in South Africa. But in its application, local content requirement has now included compelling state-owned companies to procure from middle uh, persons, which means that uh, who procure things that are not manufactured in South Africa, but from outside South Africa, but you are compelled to procure them through middle persons who then put up their own markups. So even before you you acquire your equipment, you have already lost a significant percentage of your budget for that particular equipment. So we've been engaging, of course, with the DTIC, uh, the DPE, and recently, last week, we met with National Treasure to deal with these things because all of these things mean that we are not able to move the trains at the speed at which they have to be moved. And uh, the cycle time also becomes elongated. The fourth issue, uh, the, the, the next issue is, of course, the crime and vandalism of our network infrastructure, the stealing of overhead cables, uh, even the rail itself is being taken away and the, as well as uh, the slippers on our railway lines. So all of these things suggest that Chairperson, uh, uh, in order for Transnet to be able to operate effectively, we're gonna need uh, to mobilize, to summon all the energies uh, and collective wisdom that includes uh, the wisdom of the politicians. I I like the idea that uh, the chairperson says uh, we we should look at what it is that that politicians can, 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 what kind of support can politicians uh, give to to Transnet to to meet its challenges. I have really dealt crisply with these issues, Chairperson, because I'm expecting that they would be dealt with in detail 
in uh, in uh, in in the submissions that uh, we are making today. Um, the corporatization of TNPA, we have moved in that regard. Uh, we have uh, we corporatized it as a wholly owned subsidiary of of Transnet. So the impact that we were worried about in the past with regard to the balance sheet of Transnet would not occur because uh, TNPA will continue to be part of Transnet, save that it will have its own uh, uh, independent board, a board of subsidiary of Transnet. Uh, on cyber attacks, we will give, a, 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 I'm sure, detailed report in that and the VSPs. Uh, on Kebeha workers, I'm not aware of this case. I think management would be able to tell to tell us the, the facts in that regard. Thank you very much, Shepes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Popumolefe, the chairperson of Transnet Board. I think now we will be getting the presentation from the CEO. Good morning, uh, good morning, uh, honorable uh, chairperson and honorable members, uh, and the members of the board of Transnet, DG of uh, Public Enterprises, um, as well as the executive of Transnet. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to once again present on our performance in the last financial year ending. Uh, 21 March uh, 2021. Chair, we the presentation we do in two bits, in two parts. Um, I cover the overview, and Nungulego Lamina Sepo will cover the financial performance. It was a tough year. Um, there's no doubt about that. In the last uh, financial year, given the extent of uh, locked lockdowns, uh, we were all dealing with a situation which was a first of a kind for, for most of us at, at the very least. Uh, but despite this, I, I would say that uh, we have uh, prevailed uh, to some extent. We are still a company in uh, trouble. We are still going through a process of recovery. There's a lot that we still need to do um, to get uh, Transnet onto uh, firmer footing and back to being a profitable, on a sustainable basis, uh, company, number one. Number two, to be once again what we believe is, uh, uh, without a doubt, a fact, a driver of performance and economic um, activity in the South African economy, and at least as far as it relates uh, to our responsibilities as the logistics uh, service provider. Um, in this uh, year, we're also actively uh, making sure to engage with the issue of our efficiency and our performance um, so that we improve in that direction without causing undue haste in um, a drive uh, to wholesale introduce private sector participation. Um, uh, part, not participation, let me say privatization or concessions all over the show. We will talk through the transactions, uh, the process that we are undertaking, but this is obviously, Chair, not included um, 
in, in this presentation as this is a results presentation, but would be more than happy at some uh, future date to talk why the partnerships that we have uh, uh, proposed are absolutely essential uh, to fund CapEx for us because of the issue of our balance sheet, which is a well-known uh, fact, but also because we see great opportunities uh, for growth with us continuing in partnership with uh, the partners uh, that uh, we would be going through a process of selecting. If I may please go uh, to the first uh, slide. Um, so what, in terms of uh, the strategic review of uh, Translate, I think uh, to my mind, one of the most significant shifts uh, that we've undertaken, which enables us to have a uh, organizational view um, of Transnet as one company, despite the fact that we are effectively six uh, divisions, which uh, some of them are really in uh, very different lines of, of business, and probably with the exception of uh, National Port Authority and Port Terminals. Um, the top nine commodities uh, on our side, which contribute 42.9% to total GDP, make, us, uh, make up about 80% of uh, Transnet's uh, revenue. Um, as can be seen in the graph on the right-hand side, which um, identifies uh, iron ore, manganese, uh, coal, um, uh, mining, uh, uh, mineral, this is chrome and magnetite, uh, automotives, uh, containers, fuel and uh, chemicals, as well as a new uh, entry from our side is uh, natural gas. The other area that we have to start doing a lot more work on is a strategy for agriculture. And we've been working quite strongly with the sector to ensure that to the extent that we are able to meet their requirements in particular at the ports and to find solutions on rail, which are cost-effective and efficient uh, for them. The real challenges that we have uh, when you get back to the slide on the left-hand side, Agriculture is a significant uh, contributor to uh, GDP. However, agriculture, automotive and manufacturing, and manufacturing tends to be located in containers, are all seriously time sensitive um, commodities because you move, uh, or products, you move those products in uh, demand, uh, to meet demand. Agriculture, you can't be too late uh, because of uh, seasonality factors. And to be honest, this poses a real challenge on rail because we are not there yet in as far and frankly, possibly a bit of a distance away from providing a scheduled train service, um, which would then ensure that there was direct reliability and certainty for exporters that their product would be able to reach market at the time that it is anticipated. This is complicated uh, by a large, to a large extent, uh, by issues like uh, cable theft, as, as, as has been raised. Uh, next slide, please. So if um, in reviewing the year, the previous year, uh, 20 March, uh, April 2020 to March uh, 2021, you would recall that there was a general global contraction of about 3.5%. Uh, um, there were projections, and we will see at the end of 2021 if indeed this 5.6% has been uh, achieved. Uh, these recent uh, lockdowns that have happened around the world, uh, 
now as a result of Omnicron. We will see uh, what impact they have on this um, projected 5.6. And then the next financial results, we'll also be able to reflect on what impact this had on us as Transmed. Um, there's been a view, uh, last year there was a view that there would be a, a huge government stimulus uh, programs. Um, as you very well know in our cases, that it doesn't seem to have generated the anticipated outcome uh, in the last financial year. And definitely when we look at this year, at least for the first uh, six months, we don't see the impact of uh, the stimulus much in, in even our economy. Um, we will talk a little about um, this issue and uh, I'll note it, uh, Honorable Chair, to come back to um, these constraints uh, that we see in the world of, co of, of containers. Uh, global come back. We'll, uh, I'll come back to that uh, later on. And then, lastly, um, what we are seeing, uh, and we hope, uh, to be frank, uh, twenty the latter half of twenty twenty two into twenty twenty three, maybe we should start seeing uh, real improvements. I mean, where where we at uh, in terms of vaccinations, uh, both in South Africa and on the continent and also globally, until we get to a point where we don't have these opening and closings of um, the economies around the world, we are going to be in a, a really uncomfortable situation of constraints and opening um, of the economy, which short would cause serious ups and, up, upswings and downswings in terms of performance. The South African context last year, you recall in April, uh, SMP uh, downgraded the sovereign, the, the country, the long-term foreign currency rating. And then in November last year, 2020, Moody's downgraded uh, SA sovereign credit rating to junk status, which means that as a country, we are no longer investment grade. And that has the serious negative impact of causing a significant increase in the cost of capital. Uh, when borrowing for not only the, the, the sovereign, but also for us who are sovereign-linked uh, enterprises. And it actually, it's had some spillover effects to the general economy as well. The South African economy um, did contract by uh, approximately 7.2% in, in, in 2020, but this was an expected uh, contraction and would then have a general impact on transit given um, the commodities that we move the move. Uh, na my uh, national unemployment remains a problem and uh, you will know from last week's uh, data where we see an increase from the 32.5 uh, unemployment rate in Q4 for uh, 2020, uh, 2020 to where we currently are at now which is 34.9 and that's really a huge problem that we have to deal with in South Africa. The uh, disconcerting, further disconcerting factor is that 74.4% of the youth, which is like every for every um, four young people in South Africa, over three are at home unemployed. Uh, another seriously worrying factor, for every two uh, black people in South Africa, more than one are unemployed and don't have a job. That does not suggest sustainability at all. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, economic growth is not just a function of what you export. It also is a function of what's aggregated demand. With such high unemployment, the aggregated demand will remain um, slow, uh, uh, low in South Africa. And that has a direct impact 
um, not only on ourselves as logistics service provider, but also on the general uh, economic growth as well and prospects uh, for that matter. Manufactured export grew, uh, fell by 5% um, because of the lockdown. Uh, we saw vehicle, import, uh, vehicle uh, motor vehicle production was low. Basic iron and steel and petroleum products was low. In fact, the petroleum, and we see it a lot in the pipeline, was significantly low because as um, there was a closure of uh, cross-border movements, now and again, there were closed closures, uh, obviously, of flying in and out of countries. That dampened completely demand uh, for uh, fuel in the whole economy, irrespective of sector. Uh, transported uh, goods decreased by 11.6% uh, in South Africa. And then uh, the domestic lockdown, as we've indicated, had a, a really negative impact on the um, economy. The impact on Transnet uh, is that we see that Transnet's revenue were directly affected. Um, these were reduced and these would be further impacted by just general flows out of South Africa. Um, the truth is, if you look at uh, mining, uh, the mining sector in the last uh, financial year, and we must look at the last financial year, uh, most of the mining companies have their reporting period at the end of um, December, as the end of the financial year, um, causes all kinds of issues. And maybe that's an issue that we should come back uh, to the committee and explain so that when you read data, you understand sometimes why there's a disjuncture between their reports and then finally, ultimately, when we come out with our reports. But even mining, uh, for that matter, was uh, dampened by the first couple of uh, weeks um, it, when we had the, the, the hard lockdown. Um, the biggest control, contributor to us on the mining side is uh, coal. Whenever coal uh, goes down or, or goes up, um, we do quite well. However, we've had quite some serious problems in terms of the delivery on uh, the, the rail system in significant and large measure as a result probably of three factors. One, the historical underinvestment on, on the track. There's no running away from that, is that you have a system designed to drive, to run at 80 kilometers per hour. You don't invest in it, you introduce speed restrictions, you cannot move the volumes that you would want to ideally be moving. You also don't do a replacement pro, uh, program and maintenance program of your track, you have an increase in derailments. And then we have the added uh, problem of the significant amount of cable bed. In 10 months, uh, um, I think it's the in, in this year, uh, but uh, Cesar Zamel is also on the call, we lost over a thousand kilometers of uh, cop cable, the, which means that for a system which is a mixture of diesel and electric, whenever there's a loss, uh, whenever there's cable theft, the system um, is uh, uh, blocked until such time that you can reinstate um, the electricity. And by that time, you've caused a sequential uh, blockage right across the system, because not only are we then not able to move back containers to those that need to move back to clients, neither are we able to go to the market. So it's quite a significant feedback, uh, which is negative in our case, given the cable thing. Furthermore, we replace uh, the cables at our cost. We don't uh, move, uh, we don't um, share the cost uh, with the customers. And that's not sustainable anymore because effectively that's a cost that Transnet is carrying on its own on behalf of the entire economy. Something has to give in as far as that's concerned. Um, there, I think I've spoken to that. Can we go to the next slide, please? 
So how we have responded uh, to external events as transient. Um, in the last financial year, and frankly, we all didn't know how long the close would last uh, from when it happened in March uh, 2020 up to April 2021, but we made the decision that we would keep all our staffs, uh, the 55,827 uh, employees. And then over and above that, uh, we also didn't have an idea, like everyone else, how long the shot would be. And as a state-owned enterprise, frankly, we've not modernized in being able to introduce um, employee flexibility so that when we were not making money, as uh, we were not in certain or much less, uh, when, when revenue was much less than cost, we were not able to, to cast what is probably our most significant cost, which is uh, labor costs. So we carried that fully that would have an impact on our financial performance without a doubt, it, it, it has. And I suppose this is an area that does require engagement is how do we introduce greater flexibility in the employment um, terrain so that we are able to find ways and means to, to weather the storms and still be able uh, to be a net contributor to employment in, in South Africa. But be that as it may, we retained all our staff. Uh, to date, uh, honorable members, we have lost 155 employees uh, to COVID. Um, thankfully, so far, as a result of Omicron, we have not uh, had any lives lost. However, the amount of infections have definitely increased. Um, we then also commenced with the implementation of a cash preservation program. Now, um, this may have protected uh, our uh, finances to some extent. Uh, one of the members during the course of the year asked a, a, a very uh, pointed question around our ability to continue servicing our debt. So what we were really worried about was to make sure that we met all of our repayment obligations um, in, in the financial year so that we would be able to continue being a, a company with uh, borrowing. Now, we've got to be very careful when we undertake such measures is that you don't, don't cause a, a, const, a, a blockage to, to the whole operations. But bearing in mind that when we started the year, we were looking for um, cash right uh, across the group that um, would fund quite significant uh, uh, capital investments, uh, and actually more often than not, just basic maintenance uh, across the group. Now, if I may just pause, Transnet in the previous year may not have made the loss that it's made in this year. And when I say the previous year, previous to March um, 2020 to April, uh, what, April 2020 to March uh, 2021. However, and you'll see that in later slides, Transnet has had habitually um, been a net borrower, not just for expansion capital, but also for operations. And that actually is an important uh, um, point uh, to, to, to remember, Honorable Members and Honorable Chair, because one of the things that we are trying to shift, and that's hard, is to move Transnet towards um, living within its means, which means that we fund operations directly from the revenue that we collect, and then we fund expansions using both debt and as well as uh, using uh, other people's money to the extent that we're able to in the form of partnerships. Now, if I just give you a flavor of what happened um, in the last uh, uh, financial year, and in fact, 
uh, as you watch as we go uh, towards um, in, in this uh, current year, is that you have an entity that uh, requires the 14 billion to be able to fund its uh, activities, to be able to fund infrastructure and maintenance. Uh, but our cash situation is such that we were only able to give 8.1 billion rand uh, to the entity. Now, it's this is consistent right across the group, and it's an area that we need to work really hard to start redressing. Because even if you said there was fat in the 14 billion rand, it's not fat to the equivalent nearly of 5 billion rand. So we are we continue to underinvest in maintenance and rehabilitation of the system. And so that means that the system is going to continue to suffer um, until such time we are able to redress that. In, in to a large extent, uh, honorable members, that's why the partnership strategies are essential because they give us a little bit of a breather in as far as getting uh, room growing our balance sheet so that we can deal with our debt to equity ratio, uh, bringing in other money to fund the growth opportunities whilst we focus on, on, on the investment. But these details uh, on rural members will be in greater, will, will be presented for the next financial year. Um, uh, happy to ask the team to look at um, how we did capital allocations in the last financial year, um, uh, April 2020 to 21. We have continued, uh, as we indicated, implementing on the maintenance and sustaining of investments. And frankly, basically pause any expansion activities because we didn't have the cash to fund the expansions at all. The balance sheet has remained resilient, uh, however, because we focused on making sure that we stayed strong enough to be able to continue to make um, our payments. Um, the pandemic and the last financial year has hit us. Uh, there's no uh, two ways about it, but we, we, we push on. And as far as the uh, delegation framework, uh, a core issue that we've been dealing with, and we were nearly done with uh, the new framework, was to start focusing on how we can empower to the lowest level, to the lowest operational level, because that's where business actually uh, engagement with the with customers actually happens and where decisions for business have to be undertaken. We are constantly defining that so that we can increase agility um, of the, the, the business. We've also on the rail and security, both on rail as well as in the pipeline, we have uh, enhanced our capacity and investment in that area so that we can be able to protect our infrastructure. In the last financial year, it was still really rough. In this year, it remains rough, but we think that we're starting to get to a point where we have a better management of the situation. But to be very frank, on the rail network side, uh, we make progress and then it also uh, gets worse again. Um, so we, we're not, I don't, uh, we're not, if we look at the data, we have not reached any stability. So one of the issues that we're looking at is a conversion of the greater part of our system away from electric uh, to diesel. To be frank, uh, the American uh, uh, Class A uh, railroads are fundamentally diesel. They're not, um, they're not electric for different reasons, right enough, but they're fundamentally diesel. So it wouldn't be odd if we moved in that direction. We have uh, our partnership strategy is definitely where we are seeing we're driving our growth uh, and renewal strategy for for transit. They are definite. I mean, we wouldn't be would be the last ones to argue that there are area, we have definite areas of inefficiency in transit that need to be improved. Some of them around modernization of planning, of scheduling um, of of our activities, and we also need to continue uh, the programs of uh, 
uh, of keeping up to date what develops across the, uh, the world with the latest technologies and techniques. And then um, if you go to the next slide, yes, please. This slide, uh, Chair, we, we try to go um, as a summary, basically, of the performance of the individual operating divisions. Um, but all of the CEOs are on the call, so um, they would be more than happy uh, to provide additional details if necessary. So let's start with uh, freight rail. Um, if you look, uh, revenues were uh, just under uh, 39.5 billion, OPEX 25 billion and CAPEX was 11.9 uh, in the last uh, financial year, which is up to March uh, 2021. We also were able to reopen the Leofontaine link, which has improved the speed and service delivery to the auto industry um, and reduced the route uh, as indicated by 60 kilometer, kilometers. There was a Thornwood section on uh, what we're calling the container corridor, which is the, the line from Gauteng to Durban, which caused significant uh, bottlenecks on capacity bottlenecks on that corridor. Uh, that was reopened and were uh, added another 27 uh, train slots uh, onto the system. So that's been quite useful. However, cable theft continues to be a serious concern and that that's one of the first systems that we would be prioritizing for de-electrification, basically, if we are going to be able to increase reliability of, of uh, rail and therefore be able to move a lot more uh, cargo from road uh, to rail. What we've also been doing is a lot more collaboration in terms of providing supply chain solutions, back of port uh, facilities and improved uh, terminal utilization. And that you'll see again as we proceed in the financial year. These are opportunities that we've been pushing in this financial year and going forward. We are looking for growth enabling partnerships uh, between customers. Um, already we have quite a few uh, customers who own their own wagons, uh, their wagon fleets. And so we're increasing, looking to increase the number of customers who own wagons whilst ensuring that we do not um, prejudice uh, the operations of uh, BEE companies or new entrants who might not have balance sheets able to buy their own uh, uh, fleets. But it is useful because that would free up cash that we require that enables us to continue with the maintenance uh, program. And that increases the infrastructure that we then have uh, available for operations. Um, we, we've also looked at a much more efficient process uh, for dealing with sidings and branch lines in terms of finding partners, which is much more uh, focuses, focused on partners or, or siding operators who are able to increase the volumes of cargo that we are able to move on rail and in particular in the areas of bulk, which we, we can move long, which enables us to, to move those very long and um, heavy trains. Uh, we will be coming up with a little bit more of an improved uh, strategy for branch line operations, which will ensure that a lot more of them become commercially viable as, as opposed to what has been um, the situation where double handling makes them just a, a useless investment by and large. But there's definitely improvement in as far as that's concerned. The, the reform of the container corridor is really crucial for us to get to a point where we are able to move um, more of the manufacturing type uh, commodities. Now, a distinctive characteristic of manufacturers is that first of all, they're dispersed. Uh, so they're not like a mine where you go to one mine, two mines, and you can be able to load anything up to 100, 
200 wagons in a very small geographic area where, where the resource locates itself. Manufacturing is an entirely different uh, kettle of fish. Um, you have uh, somebody who wants to uh, move, defy, would want to move a certain number of um, stoves, dishwashers, or whatever it is, and that may fill one or two containers. Uh, we ideally would like to run 75 um, wagon uh, container uh, trains to, to the port of Durban. Now, that means that for us to get to the same full 75 wagons, we would never be able to run a, um, a, shed, a reliable service because until the train is full, until we have the 75 wagons, you have difficulty in moving. So we're working really closely with the four PLs around four PLs are the logistics providers who help with the consolidation of the cargo. Oftentimes, when you see a truck, uh, a cargo truck, uh, on the, for example, that uh, Durban Gauteng uh, Road, it actually is not uh, cargo of one company. It's often car- cargo of two or three companies that has been consolidated into one container, which is not the, the same. So moving cargo of road from manufacturing onto rail is not entirely the easiest uh, thing. So we're working really closely to find a viable business model that would ensure that at least the corridor covers its cost. At present, that corridor is the most unprofitable by far of our our entire system, seriously unprofitable. Uh, For example, for a rand that we collect, I think it costs us over 250 to run the system. Uh, Moving on to uh, Transnet uh, Engineering, Uh, as you can see, just by looking at the revenue and the OPEX, as well as the CAPEX, that this business continues to be in trouble. Um, We'll talk a little bit about what we're doing. And the trouble arises fundamentally because there's no manufacturing work. There's a lot of work uh, that's available on maintenance. And in the next financial year, we'll discuss a lot more around how we've also extended their scope beyond just looking at TFR, but to look at uh, ports, both on the uh, landlord, the National Port Authority, as well as uh, port terminals. However, they've also, as the company, had some uh, uh, great successes. Um, The port hauler, which pulls uh, two um, containers, which until now we have imported in South Africa, is now being uh, in the process of being commissioned. Um, We should uh, actually soon be able to reliably uh, supply TPT, whatever demand it might have. And that helps reduce imports. It's, uh, It's linked up with the local uh, manufacturing supply chain, so it should have some benefits uh, directly into the economy. But we really look forward to starting to get uh, orders from TPT for this. We also, uh, TE was able to secure a contract uh, to supply wagons, 300 wagons to CFM of Mozambique of 360 million. CFM and Mozambique remain a really crucial partner for us. For the magnetite and chrome route, it is the shortest route to the port. What that does for us on the rail side is that it ensures that we can have an efficient um, allocation of uh, resources in as far as locals and uh, wagons are concerned. So that efficiency improvement is really crucial for us. Our relationship with CFM is something that we are very desirous of as uh, as transit. As you would know, which was announced in the press, they uh, amazingly built within three months 
a vaccine train, a transvaccal uh, train, and this train is able to carry any, any vaccine irrespective of the temperature at which the vaccine has to be stored and it's already deployed. It operates um, in the system at present. Uh, in fact, as a result of um, the innovations we introduced with transvaccal, we've been able to convert all pillow pepper trains also to become uh, vaccination trains, trains able to carry the vaccines at the required temperature. So really exciting for us. Opportunities going uh, forward. Uh, we're looking uh, to see how we might uh, continue to supply own rolling stock. Um, we've had a really torrid uh, time of um, spares, uh, trying to secure spares for the long-standing uh, locals that we have. Um, and would say, and I think Ralph and his team, and credit to them, um, we've now uh, been able, and this is not a development in the last financial year, but it's a, develop, a more recent development, have been able to uh, make our own compressors. Um, uh, am, I, am I right, Ralph? Is it the compressors or rather the traction motors? Yeah, what we've done is reverse engineered old compressors from, from previous generation locomotives to fit the Chinese locomotives, which have been a, a, a key challenge that we've had of late. We have 151 locomotives uh, waiting for compressors at this stage. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Rob. So what, uh, honorable members, it means is that finally, uh, the compressors, which were one, because as part of the, as a result of the 1064 uh, review application, uh, the Chinese suppliers have basically refused to deal with us. And even when we've tried to get other partners, uh, other companies to supply us, who may have actually the IP uh, and be able to supply and supply China as well, they've been blocked from supplying us. So we had to find a way to, to deal with this. And really, I'm pleased to say that we've been able to do that. And the area that the, the uh, uh, TE is working on a lot is componentry, so that we can be able to do a lot more of the component replacement ourselves. But bearing in mind that whatever we do and the way we operate, we do not kill the viability of the private sector, the manufacturing, because there's actually quite an extensive manufacturing sector that is focused on um, the rail sector in South Africa. So we're working with the DTIC as well as the um, uh, uh, IDC to ensure that we find ways and means of supporting the companies in the sector who have struggled as much as we have struggled in the, in the recent one. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, a focus on the TE side is rolling stock upgrade, uh, refabrication, uh, fabrication and remanufacture to the maximum extent possible. And this is a service that we're looking to offer across the continent in partnership with the utilities on, on the continent. And as far as the National Ports Authority, um, one really important development, which has improved at least communication and also alignment, is the establishment of a joint uh, planning um, structure every morning uh, at all of the container terminals in Durban, Cape Town and PE, uh, so that uh, both uh, the knowledge of what are the volumes that need to move, what vessels are being nominated, is absolutely crucial in terms of enabling uh, TMPA to plan uh, for the system as well. There's also been an increase in rail utilised in Durban, which has uh, really helped with the congestion at the port. We move from one train every two weeks and now we have four trains um, a week and we see opportunity to increase further beyond uh, that. The inland uh, terminals, which would be uh, decongestion uh, terminals are then quite uh, crucial going forward. 
In as far as manganese, we see we've seen increased parcel sizes at uh, the port of Port Elizabeth, um, um, from 42,000 tons to 54,000 tons. That's useful and important for the economy in Gabecha uh, going forward. And then at Nuha Container Terminal, we've seen an increase from 50,000 tons to 60,000 uh, tons in that area. That's really useful because it's a direct uh, revenue uh, generator for us. Where the opportunities that we see going forward. Uh, in British Bay, both uh, with the energy and the petrochemicals uh, as part of the Durban Master Plan uh, development. A lot more petrochemicals uh, would move up uh, to Durban. We're in the process of finalizing um, the Port Master Plan and ensuring that we've accommodated to the best of our abilities the existing industry whilst balancing out the issue of um, health uh, for the people who live and run that area. So we, we're looking at the issues of emissions and air quality um, in the bluff area. Uh, as you would know, there's a huge population uh, mass that located south there. The advantage of Richards Bay is that it remains a fundamental industrial port. Um, Devonport uh, Point Container Terminal Expansion, that's the immediate next project that we'd be undertaking. Uh, TNPA is definitely going to have to look seriously at deepening of uh, Maiden Wharf so that on the agricultural side, we would be able to start taking much bigger containers and that would improve the efficiency and performance of the agricultural terminal. In Cape Town, we're looking at fast-tracking the truck staging uh, so that we'd be able to have more greater efficiency and deal with any congestion that might arise at the port. Saldana, we're looking at the expansion of manganese capacity and iron ore. Uh, Manganese by an additional 2 million tonnes from the current 6 million tonnes and iron ore we've applied for an additional uh, 7 million tonnes. However, um, we have to make sure that in both these areas, we have taken into account the impact of the additional emissions on the health of our people. So we have a study uh, which we've, we are undertaking and we will be taking the report from the University of Cape Town. who are doing an independent assessment of what's the impact on health and, and people. Now, it's a crucial issue this because it then raises a real uh, challenges is have we how far are we from reaching the capacity constraint in Saldana and we have to start looking at um, a, a new export channel for Ino because as you know we have to make sure that we protect our people in East London we are finalizing um, the inclusion of the Gately site into uh, the port uh, limit because it has to be part of the port limit for it to be under the uh, TNPA. Uh, RFPs, uh, Section 56 will be coming out to close on this. In Nuha, uh, the liquid bulk um, terminal is being built by um, CDC, is the project manager, and it's their project uh, with the private sector. Um, unfortunately, we've had to extend the closure of uh, the tank farm in Gabecha until such time that CDC's project has been commissioned. We anticipate that would be sometime next year. Then we would be able to um, move the whole of, uh, shut down the the terminal in uh, Gabecha and move the industry directly into Roja. And then in Port Elizabeth, uh, lots of, um, at the port of Port Elizabeth, a lot has been written about Ford's expansion plans and the intention to use that port as uh, its primary uh, route in and out of South Africa. We're working hard with the DTIC as well as the IDC, the Gauteng government, the Eastern Cape government, 
and every other agency that we um, would be able to help fast track the project to ensure that we deliver this project on time. Ford's day deadline is 2025. Um, frankly, as things stand right now, 2026 looks like it, but we're all trying to see if we might be able to meet the 2025 deadline. Uh, and then at Port Terminals, uh, we introduced the mandatory truck uh, booking systems at DCT, Pier 1 and Pier 2, definitely improved traffic flows to the terminal. However, recently we've discovered that there may be a rule in the scheduling which is creating a bias against uh, the, small, um, the small trucking companies. We're fixing that so that there's equity between the large truck owners as well as the small uh, truck owners. We're also talking quite a lot with the private sector about them moving a lot more and the larger companies, frankly, towards a 24-7 operation. Our ports can operate 24-7, but what we find is bunching during daylight hours. And if we were able to move everyone towards um, spread out into the evening, um, into the night, uh, so that we ran a 24-hour service, the improvements in port efficiency would be significant. Um, not only for TPT, but also just for the entire system. We will have to start figuring out how we create incentives for more customers to move at night and uh, uh, to reduce the volumes during the day. But it does require that there is improved security for truckers. Uh, as you know, in the last week, once again, there were the attacks around um, wherever. We need to find, uh, even ourselves, is to find points, uh, places uh, closer to the port or along the roof, uh, route where they can uh, wait safely uh, for, for their slot because one of the challenges for them is that when they waiting, is it safe? And so that's why they end up waiting, clogging roads um, uh, close to, to the city. Um, DCT uh, during the hard lockdown was restricted to a, to, to a single birth operation, which significantly impacted operations, and we only had uh, two, uh, two gangs. TPT was able to recover uh, to 60 by 60%, uh, where we were back to eight gangs. Now we're in the process. We finally restored it to 12 uh, gangs operational, and we're training so that we can be back to um, about 14 uh, gangs. The CEOs on the call, the acting CEOs on the call as well, if there are any other details you'd like to get on TPT, these will, um, uh, will be provided. And as far as opportunities uh, going forward, the partnerships are absolutely crucial for us. The DCT partnership in particular. Um, is to enable us to modernize the operations. And frankly, we need a little bit of financial support um, to implement a, a world-class um, maintenance program, which is as per design, to meet the design requirements of the various OEMs. Number one, number two, we definitely need to move away from buying all kinds of um, non-OEM uh, parts, which immediately impacts, frankly, the warranties that we have uh, from uh, the suppliers of the equipment. We have a lot of that kind of problem in the system and we're fixing that as well. The increase, as I've indicated, to 14 gangs in DCT will improve performance significantly. Um, we need to create a pool of OEE, OLEs. OLEs are operators of lifting equipment. And these often become a constraint in our system. Uh, what we need to be able to do is to have the fluidity in our system that when there's demand at one port, we are able to move OLEs to another port. We also need to make sure that they are trained in interoperability, that they don't only just operate one piece of equipment, that they operate other pieces of equipment as well. 
um, uh, partnering with the OEMs for MSAs, uh, master service agreements, so that we can have better maintenance and also access to consignment stocks uh, using the OEMs as well, where they would hold uh, additional parts that we might require. But a really important uh, uh, focus in this side is getting Translate Engineering to support, to better support um, large, um, what is it, I suppose I should say, D-checks, the larger non-frequent maintenance that's required for big pieces of equipment uh, because the ports are fundamentally also capital intensive. And then the back-to-back, back-to-basics operations. Uh, This has been made absolutely crucial by the recent fires that we had in Drutus Bay. The last two uh, operating divisions, pipelines and properties, um, as you can uh, see, revenues on, on pipelines, we really suffered in this financial year, uh, 4.8 billion, uh, billion rand, OPEX of 4.9. And a large driver on the OPEX side has been as a result of um, remedial, uh, environmental remediation, as a result of oil spills when there has been uh, fuel theft uh, uh, in the system. However, we are able uh, to exceed uh, the um, orders versus delivered volumes, uh, but really this is performance of a, of a, of a low base. Uh, we are putting in technology uh, to help monitor and manage vandalism on the pipeline. Uh, and also we are expediting uh, uh, R&D to see how we might be re- able to repurpose some of the existing uh, pipeline network and the associated infrastructure. And this in particular relates to the DJP, the so-called DJP, which is the Durban to Joburg um, pipeline, uh, which has been decommissioned. And uh, we, we've been trying to see how we might be able to use the servitude um, for uh, other activities. The opportunities going forward um, is uh, uh, the provision of, uh, 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 we need to get partners, frankly, to uh, use more the multi-purpose product uh, pipeline. We are nowhere near at full capacity and we need to figure out how to attract, particularly um, the uh, non-aligned wholesalers, given the fact that there's been such a significant change in the fuel, um, in the petrochemical sector, the fuel retail sector, basically between uh, diesel and uh, petrol with um, non-aligned uh, wholesalers coming out, non-aligned to the engines, the BPs and, and the shelves, the, the independent operators. We're also looking to develop a fuel import terminal and accumulator facilities in Durban. Uh, as you'd be aware, um, um, engine, which is a refinery in Durban, is shut down as a refinery. They want to use their facilities fundamentally for storage. The uh, Chevron, which is now called Estron, uh, Astron, in Cape Town is going to continue to manufacture, to produce uh, directly. And then uh, there's also um, SAPREF, which is in Durban, which was the Shannon BP operation. From what we understand, um, they're looking to dilute and get another partner there. So the opportunity, frankly, is for an industry which is a lot more import intensive as opposed to um, local production. Intensive. That creates opportunities, uh, again, for uh, particularly new entrants to partner with us in the um, ownership of the accumulator tank so that they can be able to have direct access to product. In last year, there was a time when there were shortages of product. And what we were able to see is that 
the non-aligned uh, uh, filling stations had real problems accessing product uh, because what uh, the aligned, the engine, the, the aligned, the companies aligned to the engines, BPs and the rest of the life were prioritized for supply. So definitely the, the independents need to have for themselves access to capacity to, uh, to, to, to meet their market needs. And then an area that we're working hard and fast on is with regard to, to gas, to gas infrastructure. Uh, both the storage, uh, regasification units, um, as well as the pipeline. Our priority uh, uh, two areas, both in uh, Buha, uh, you would have seen the RFP that would have, uh, was issued by CDC. We are part of the joint development uh, of that project on the side of TNPA as well as the side of uh, TPL. And then as Transnet, we are also working quite closely with the huge demand that we're seeing uh, from industry in Richards Bay. As you know, in Richards Bay, we own the Lily Pipeline, which comes down, but right now is the flow from Cecil uh, to Richards Bay area. And also it has a link uh, down to Durban. In the next two years or so, it's going to be back available to us. And we will have to look at whether we um, reverse the flow and use it uh, for energy. And that would enable the distribution of energy both into Richards Bay, um, up into down into Durban, as well as uh, starting to supply extensively into the Gauteng market, which is, uh, to my mind, and, and I think uh, many, uh, is a quite long anticipated development, which should help a lot with fuel, um, fuel security. And then lastly, properties. Uh, we recently ringfenced property uh, and moved it away from being just a cost center, but to be a revenue generator. It is really crucial for the transnet balance sheet because it, that's an asset base that's been under leveraged, um, underutilized, and really just seriously not loved uh, at all. It's it's not our best performing uh, unit. It really ha has uh, long to go uh, huge uh, debts. Um, but um, real progress is, is being made in terms of implementing the new strategy that was approved by the board. We've also, in this financial year, but by last year, they, were, they started the work uh, to move us as Transnet out of rental uh, stock into our own buildings, which helps then with the upkeep and the maintenance and actually reinvestment, first and foremost, in our uh, own assets. It has become the hub for all Transnet's uh, immovable property uh, asset holdings. Uh, if it's not uh, those that are not at the port and those are not crucial directly for rail um, for rail operations, uh, we look forward to seeing much better. Uh, some interesting moves in terms of uh, the strategy that it implement, uh, in, uh, implements going forward. What are the opportunities? Um, first of all, as indicated, they will be providing accommodation for all of Transnet, all of the various uh, ODs, and they've already started doing that. We're in the process of disposing our non-core residential properties, primarily to our own employees uh, where they, they directly live. We want to develop the Tabeja waterfront, Carlton Precinct, uh, Carlton Centre Precinct, uh, as well as um, Adelaide Square, which is uh, our core um, in fact, probably our most valuable uh, property assets that we that we have. This we should uh, come out into the market in, in this financial year. We're also working quite closely with Dubé uh, uh, Trade. Um, what are Dubé Trade? Uh, what are they called? Cape uh, is it Dubé Trade Ports or the, in any case uh, the SEZ at uh, King Shabba? Dubé Trade Project. Okay, yes. We're working with the Trade Port to develop 
um, a uh, an auto supplier park servicing uh, Toyota in the in the first instance, um, but ours is to be open to anyone who wants to be a supplier to the auto park using Durban International Airport. Our intention is to keep. Uh, Devil International Port within the stable of Transnet, because I'll view that around 2045 or so, there might be need for an expansion of Devon beyond the 11.3 million TUs that we have planned. Um, last, I think this is my last slide, Chair. Um, in as far as transformation, uh, we are level two BE company, and the intention is uh, that to always be the worst case scenario. In as far as BE spent, triple BE spent, uh, we spent uh, nearly 24, um, 23.4 billion uh, on black owned businesses, 12.9, uh, on women owned uh, enterprises, uh, 7.9 billion. On EMEs, we spent uh, four uh, billion. We're doing a lot more work to refine our procurement uh, so that we have a greater geographic impact in our uh, procurement. It's a bit of a struggle, frankly, getting uh, uh, national treasury across the line with that because it is, first of all, just as a matter of justice. Uh, it makes no sense that you would have somebody just standing guarding a building in Freiheit. Uh, not being from a company that's from Friday. Why that company should come from Joburg? Just because we have a rule that says that uh, all procurement must be competitive, transparent, and in as fast the current rules are is that it must be open to the whole economy. And our view is that we have to shift from that to uh, having some procurement which is just in that geography and not uh, in the broader economy. Firstly, secondly, what tends to happen when people are unhappy with any service delivery from uh, local from their local government, they simply go and occupy a transnet asset. And the preferred uh, asset for occupation is uh, rail. They sit on the line and they just don't move and they know the trains will not move. So it is essential that we find a way to have a much happier working relationship with those communities so that they don't do that uh, and find something else uh, as their instrument of protest. And as far as employment, we've already indicated over 55,827 uh, 55, uh, permanent employees in, in transit. Um, uh, and uh, we don't anticipate a significant change in this direction. Save to say, Honourable Chair, as you raise the issue of retrenchments, the one area we have a problem with, because we've not been able to secure additional business, is in TE manufacturing. Um, we, we really are struggling. And maybe um, next year, early next year, I would propose that the Portfolio Committee comes and visits um, TE and we talk you through the strategy. You see everything uh, that we're doing so that we can enhance understanding. On skills development, 1.6% of our personal costs amounting to 462 uh, million was spent on, on, on skills development. A really uh, important movement in here is that we've consolidated all of our training um, uh, schools, training institutes, our schools of engineering under one umbrella body, which is the Transnet Academy. The intention in the, uh, from this and the next financial year is that we are planning to utilize, maximize the utilization of all of our training academies. 
But we must say that our first priority is just our own people. We're finding that we have significantly under-focused focused on uh, training of all of our people, getting all of the license up to date. Most of our operations require, both in rail as well as port terminals, require that our people are constantly re-licensed. So we need to prioritize that, but also are very clear that we would make this available as capacity for broader training in the, uh, in, in the economy. Her health and safety, uh, remains a really critical uh, area of focus for, for us. And frankly, we don't uh, do very well. Uh, we lost four colleagues in operations last year. Uh, our last term injury frequency rate, the tolerance is 7, uh, 0.75 with uh, 0.61. Need to see a further reduction. Disabling injuries, 424 uh, people. We had 95 public uh, fatalities. Um, that remains a problem, especially at rail crossings, and we, we continue engaging with the local government and localities to try and find uh, lasting solutions for some of these problems. Had uh, 70 running uh, line derailments, and we had 122 shunting uh, derailments. Um, in as far as uh, additional factors around transformation, black employees, 93.3% uh, of the total employee base, women in Exco, 40%, um, people with disabilities at 2.2%, uh, way below, below uh, the percentage representation of people with disabilities in the economy, which is close on 7%. So we're working on uh, improving our performance uh, in that area. Uh, professional uh, black uh, cadre, black employees, 3,212. And uh, the skilled uh, black employees, 14,606. And this is per BE uh, Next slide, please. Um, I will stop here. Uh, Chair, I think, Honourable, uh, um, Honourable Chairperson, I think at some point we, we do come back in the presentation and we cover subsequent events. And amongst the subsequent events are some of the issues that you raised, like the corporatization of TNPA, as well as uh, cyber attacks. And we add also the looting and the fires in, in Richards Bay. But we'll, we'll return to, to close on that. Thank you very much. I'll hand over to Nungulia. Uh, thank you, uh, Yes. Good afternoon, uh, uh, honorable members, the chairperson of the portfolio committee and the members, the honorable members, the chairperson of the board of Transnet, as well as the, the, the board members present and uh, my colleagues at management level. Chairperson, I would uh, cover the financial numbers that a lot has been said about in the context that was uh, given by the chairperson of the board, as well as a, a, a number of areas that the, uh, the, the GCE covered in, in her presentation. So if we move to the next slide, uh, just to give the committee a high level numbers of what appears in our detailed financial statements uh, as indicated and, and the challenges that we faced, both from the COVID impact as well as uh, operational challenges that were highlighted. We saw our revenue line dropping by about 10.5% and we reported 67.3 billion rands as the revenue that uh, Transnet made in the financial year 2021 in comparison to uh, about 75 billion that we, we had reported in the prior year. I will break down these numbers in the slides that follow just to give the committee a sense of uh, 
what was the impact uh, that came from various uh, elements that have already been mentioned. In the second instance, uh, Chairperson, the operating expenses uh, in the, 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 the expenses as in the normal course of business fairly remained the same, uh, except for where we were able to reduce the expenditure and, and through cash preservation, as it was mentioned by the, the GCE. Uh, but we also, on the other hand, had to put through some significant provisions and uh, they again relate to the issues that have been mentioned in relation to theft uh, that then requires that Transnet take certain actions. And as a result, our operating expenditure at, at net uh, level are at 47.8 billion rands, which is an increase of about 16.2% uh, compared to the prior year. And therefore, if you take the reduction in revenue and an increase in expenditure, you then see a significant reduction in earnings before you take into account uh, the, the, the interest, uh, the depreciation, the tax, which is basically uh, the earnings from operations largely, which then reduced by about 42.8% uh, to the levels of 19.5 billion rands. This taken together then resulted in Transnet reporting a net loss position of 8.4 billion in comparison to a profit in the prior year that was 2.9 billion rands. That is the income statement performance chair that uh, uh, we, we report in detail in our financials. But having said that, uh, Transnet continued to be a cash generation, uh, generating business, although it was at much lower levels than we would have wanted, uh, where uh, 24.4 billion was uh, reported as cash generated from the activities of the business. Also, we, we continued to um, spend money on capital investments, but in the context of the COVID year, uh, the activities were fairly low on site, uh, specifically from April to about September, when we were still operating at the levels of level five lockdown, moving down to four, three, and so on. And as a result of the uh, reduced activity on site uh, with lockdown, we didn't do as much activity in, re in relation to capital investments that we would have wanted to, to drive in the, in the year being reported on. Chairperson, we continue to uh, utilize uh, monies from capital markets to ensure that Transnet is self-sustaining from its operations, but also we leverage the balance sheet through the raising of money. And uh, it's, a, it's a number we monitor very closely. We reported uh, gearing levels of 48.7 in the year uh, past, which is uh, fairly in the range that we would want, but we would still want to see uh, improvement uh, on, on the gearing level without stopping to utilize and, and, and leverage the balance sheet and utilize uh, monies from, from, from the capital markets. The ratio that is cash interest cover is, is a ratio that we also monitor very closely because uh, from the raising of funds from the capital markets, we want to be comfortable that uh, the interest is actually covered by the money that we generate uh, from operations. At minimum, we would want that uh, ratio to be 2.5 times uh, at minimum, and we, we would be comfortable at the levels of about three. But with the current performance that we mentioned on the revenue line, uh, we, we dropped uh, the, the interest uh, cash interest coverage to two times. Uh, and again, as we work through the operations, we, we do want to see that ratio improving. 
The last three elements, the training costs, the triple BE expenditure and the lost time injury frequency rate, I think the GCE has to, uh, spoken to at length. And therefore I'll move to the next slide to just give a bit of a detail on each of the numbers that I have uh, mentioned. Uh, but maybe before we get to the details of the numbers, uh, how we reflected on the performance for the year as well, Chairperson, was uh, we looked at the impact of the, the legacy issues that uh, the chairperson of the board highlighted uh, because some of the things that impacted the financial numbers are matters that are coming from uh, 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 quite a long history with Transnet, including some of the provisions we had to make in relation to third party claims, uh, the COVID-19 impact we've highlighted and the security matters that are driven by the issues, uh, socioeconomic issues of a cable theft and 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 impacting the line but also you you see a double whammy in that regard because with the security expenditure you also have to spend money re rehabilitating the environment uh, once there has been a damage which again is carried by transnet uh, in 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 the provisions that we have to make the other matter we highlight chairperson is uh, where we have overdue debt uh, where we've got some of our clients who have not been servicing the debt or, or, or paying the amounts owing to Transnet, which then reduces the available cash for the operations uh, of Transnet. The interest rollovers come from the debt at Transnet would have raised, raised a significant amount of debt over years, uh, probably dating back to 2012-13 as the, the, the MDS strategy was being driven. And the reality that Transnet faces now is that that debt needs to be paid back whilst we try to raise new debt for the operations uh, and the capital expenditure that is required uh, to work on the infrastructure. And therefore the impact in the interest that we have to pay is quite significant whilst we have to look at the debt and ensure that we meet all the maturities as they fall due and, and continue to raise debt where the, the, the funding is required. So it's, it's, it's an area of focus, but again, it's about dealing with uh, uh, matters that are coming from uh, quite uh, the history of Transnet. We are on a recovery journey and uh, a number of uh, pegs have been put on the ground, including a matter I will deal with a bit later, where in terms of just dealing with the compliance with the PFMA, we've had to put down a loss control function to just uh, make sure we work through the requirements of PFMA and close the long history that has resulted in Transnet reporting qualified reports uh, over a period of about four years now. And uh, when these uh, matters started, the board in 2018 put together a remedial plan, which we have been reviewing over time as we were taking in the lessons we've been learning uh, to ensure that we improve until we can arrest the issues around the PFMA. But also there is significant amount of work that is being done to basically transform the, the, the procurement space in improving the control environment, uh, automating the systems, but that doesn't take a, a, away the requirements we have uh, for the support uh, to unlock certain things as they were articulated by the chair of the board in relation to the application of the PFMA in, you know, in supporting the speed of our procurement requirements. We are also driving a process of uh, stepping back when we do the budget and ensuring that uh, we go zero based in, in, in the requirements and, and ensure that we can clean up any expenditure that we don't need to incur 
and rather provide for the requirements that will assist uh, Transnet to perform and, and improve where required. Uh, the, the GCE will come back uh, after I've presented uh, Chairperson to talk a bit more about uh, the strategy of renewal and growth that we are driving, which we believe will also assist in improving the performance, uh, but also in um, ensuring that Transnet contributes to the required economic growth in the country. So the balance sheet cl cleanup is quite a focus for us uh, from the perspective of ensuring that it continues to be a resilient balance sheet, but also uh, the restructuring of debt, as I indicated, that we do need to be comfortable that we do not have significant amounts of debt that are maturing in a very short term, which makes it difficult uh, to uh, constantly be uh, trying to move the debt out because we are very clear chairperson that uh, we will not be able to necessarily pay back all the funding that is uh, due and maturing, but rather we are wanting to engage with our lenders to refinance some of the debt and make sure we prolong the payments re payment requirements whilst as much as possible we do pay back from the monies that we are making from the operations. So if I move to the next slide, Chairperson, just to show a bit of details in the breakdown of the revenue and the volumes that uh, uh, we derive the revenue from, uh, it is a, a significant reduction from the performance we saw in the 2020 financial year, where we see that we performed uh, at uh, the rail volumes at 183 million tons compared to the 212 million tons in the year before. And that contributes about 51% of our revenue line. Uh, in the port containers, as well as the petroleum, and again, you can see that with the reduction of movement in the country, there wasn't much requirement for the petroleum movement, which then shows itself very specifically in the transnet performance for the year of, uh, ended 31st March uh, 2021. The operating expenses breakdown chair is on the next slide. Um, and, and again, there you, you would uh, see that if we look at the 47.8 billion that we reported in the year, uh, about 51% is coming from the personnel costs uh, that we indicated uh, uh, earlier as being uh, 55,000 people that were, were kept intact, even though there were COVID challenges in the year. We also spend quite a bit on electricity costs with our, our trains needing electricity as well as the fuel costs. So we just highlight a few of the uh, significant contributors. And costs uh, of transnet are largely fixed, at least in the short term, as we do not necessarily have a, an opportunity to release people at short notice, and it requires a significant amount of uh, um, engagements and processes uh, to, 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 to get to a point where you can re uh, reduce some of the costs that are fixed. However, even with that, we did look for opportunities uh, to reduce and, and show cost savings where it was possible uh, through a cash preservation program that we ran, which assisted in cushioning the impacts in the year that we report on. Now, Chair, on the next slide, uh, we try to give the committee a bit of a detail on how we moved from a profit of 2.9 billion rands to a loss of 8.4 billion rands. And if we look at the details of that, the first uh, group is related to the reduction in revenue. 
uh, that I indicated that we moved from 75 uh, billion to about 67. And therefore we lost a whooping 7.9 billion in revenue in the year, largely driven by the COVID impact, but also all the issues of cable theft uh, that the chairperson referred to, which then result in operational challenges in the business and us not being able to move as much as we would want to. So that is 7.9 billion rands on the revenue that we lost. On the operating expenses, we also increased what uh, 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 resulted in, in a loss position, uh, operating expenses by about 6.7 billion rands. And if we look at the breakdown of that additional expenditure of 6.7 billion rands, uh, uh, about half of it, which is 3.6 billion, comes from a matter that uh, Transnet has been dealing with over years, uh, where there is a, a, a Sasol total matter that we've been dealing with through the courts, uh, basically to ensure that the contracting arrangements that are in place are fair to Transnet and the process is going through court processes at the moment, but we took a prudent approach to make some provisions in relation to this, uh, to these claims, uh, to the value of 3.6 uh, billion rands. And as the court processes uh, progress, we believe that we have an opportunity to reverse the provisions uh, that we've made. In the second instance, we had to again make significant provisions in relation to environmental rehabilitation that is required. And this is really driven by uh, the fact that as the pipelines are tapped again by people that are stealing fuel uh, uh, from Transnet's uh, assets, we then have a, an issue that first we lose uh, the revenue through the, the, the lost fuel, but in the second instance, because of the spillage to the ground, Transnet has a responsibility uh, to rehabilitate, rehabilitate the land. And these are the provisions that we, we have to make uh, in, in preparation for that. And that is another uh, 1.2 billion uh, requirement that we had put, to put through. We also provided for COVID requirements uh, because uh, when we did the budget, uh, it was not expected that 2021 financial year would be the COVID year, but we had to safeguard the people and uh, a provision of about 232 million rands was put through uh, for all the requirements uh, in relation to just supporting the, the COVID impact. So that is 6.7 billion rands. And then there is another 1.6 billion rands where we had to uh, provide for some impairments and the impairments of the assets are driven by the vandalism that uh, Transnet experiences of the locomotives, which then need to be repaired. And uh, in the process of these assets being uh, vandalized, we have to impair and in certain instances write off, uh, and then the, the, the repair has to happen. The second instance is uh, where you then experience derailments as well, and the derailments results in um, some of the assets being affected where we also have to, to impair those assets. But we try and uh, recover as much as possible from the insurance uh, uh, provisions that we have uh, as much as we are covered. We also had to look at the balance sheets and, and uh, review what was sitting as capital work in progress and assess whether the assets that were seen as capital work in progress would ultimately get into commercial operation and uh, deliver revenue. And in the assessment we made, it was clear to us that there are some assets that would have to be impaired 
and removed uh, from the, the balance sheets. If you can just go back to that slide uh, that you've moved off, uh, please. Yes, so we had to make uh, additional provisions to basically impair some of the assets basically to clean up the balance sheet. And therefore, Chairperson, if you take uh, these three big numbers where we lost revenue of 7.9 billion, yet we had to make provisions uh, for about 6.7 billion and impair some of our assets to the value of 1.6 billion. Those are the very significant contributors to us moving from the 2.9 billion profit to a loss position of 8.4 billion. And some of which we believe into the future should not be the items that would repeat themselves in our performance going forward, uh, specifically in relation to some of the significant provi provisions. If I can then move to the next slide and uh, uh, we look at the balance sheet itself, uh, as I indicated earlier, we have continued to work with the uh, capital markets to raise money. And uh, we closed the year with a debt of 129 billion. We raised some additional debt, but uh, also chair all the maturities that were due in the year were met uh, at the timelines that, uh, that were required. So we were quite comfortable that we did um, pay back all the monies that were due and payable. We also work very closely with rating agencies, both uh, Moody's and Standard & Poor's. And at the time of us reporting chair, we were rated at the levels uh, by Moody's of BA2 and uh, by uh, SNP at the level of B, double B minus. And we continue to engage with them as they assess uh, the ability of Transnet uh, to, to fund itself, uh, whether from cash generated internally or working with the capital markets. Uh, the last slide on the financials, uh, Chairperson, is about the capital investment, uh, which is uh, an indication of growth in the balance sheet because from the capital expenditure of about uh, 15.9 billion, uh, the, the, the balance sheet grew by the, the, the amount that was invested as much as we depreciated. So we can see that there was an element of growth in our assets, but to the points raised by the GCE, there is much more that is required if we are to ensure that the, the assets are, the infrastructure is, is up to standard and also we invest for expansion. But this is the minimum that we were able to do in the year that was at 15.9 billion investment. Chairperson, uh, before I move to the next set of slides, I, I would just also like to confirm therefore that this is the financial part of our financials, uh, which is, uh, uh, is reported in line with the international financial reporting standards. And uh, Transnet did not get a, a qualification in this regard. Uh, there was comfort from the auditors that uh, the statements fairly presented and uh, we reported in line with the international financial reporting standards. And I will move then to the next section, which is where Transnet had to report a qualified report or a modified report, which is in relation to the uh, PFMA. And in this regard, Chair, what we thought we should do is uh, to give a sense to the committee on a journey that Transnet has been. Because if you look at uh, the history and maybe the board having come around 2017, 2018, uh, Transnet comes from a history of clean audits uh, that were not qualified before 2018. And if you look at the numbers, there wasn't significant irregular expenditure that was reported in those years. Uh, but as we've moved forward in years uh, 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 2018 to 2020, 
and, and the chairperson referred to the state capture challenges that uh, Transnet has had to contend with. We saw the uh, Auditor General of South Africa coming closer to the SOE and beginning to give stronger guidance on how to deal with uh, PFMA-related matters. We saw National Treasury issuing um, specific guidelines on um, in relation to the PFMA and what was required, which then also resulted in stringent uh, PFMA disclosure requirements and, and, and Transnet had to improve and make sure that they comply to these matters. As a result, what we do see is that in the years 2018 to 2019, Transnet began to increase the reporting of irregular expenditure, uh, but does not represent chair matters that would have occurred in those years, uh, but rather beginning to comply as I think the DG also mentioned that it is a requirement that as you identify issues of the past years that you didn't report on, you report in the year that you identify those matters. So we've gone through this journey of 2018 to 2020, but what we then uh, saw in 2021 was uh, us getting closer to National Treasury and beginning to arrest some of the elements, including issues of getting condonation, where we had gone through and reviewed the books and identified areas of transgression and were comfortable that we can ask for National Treasury's pardon in terms of uh, those uh, issues. And uh, in the year that was chair, we can confirm that one of the matters that uh, the board dealt with from 2018 to 2020 was the application of supplier development, which was a regulation that came through to the state-owned entities in 2011. But on the basis that it was not correctly applied over the years, we had to identify any expenditure relating to these matters and took it to National Treasury and we got a condonation to the value of about 59 billion rands, uh, which then clears all the contracts that would have anything to do with supplier development. In the second instance, Chair, we also uh, engage uh, a National Treasury in relation to some of the legacy expenditure, which we believe should ideally be ring-fenced uh, on the basis of volumes that Transnet would have to contend with. And these matters dating back many, many years back, uh, we got a partial exemption uh, for some of these items to be ring fenced that are historic, but uh, there is still significant amount of work we need to do to ensure that we deal with the other matters that are, ye are yet to be ring fenced uh, and that engagement continues, Chair. As my last slide, I just want to show this in uh, numbers, Chairperson, where uh, in the next slide, we show that in 2017, Transnet reported only about uh, 550 million, million rands in irregular expenditure. But if you move then to 2018 up to 2020, you see significant amount of increase in irregular expenditure being reported to 85 billion, 85.8 uh, billion in the first year, 2018, uh, and, and growing to 111.5 billion in 2019 and 131 billion in 2020. And again, as I indicated, these are not new expenditure, but it's work that Transnet has put a significant amount of resources and team aside to go back and review uh, uh, contracts and identify any form of irregular expenditure, which then uh, Chairperson uh, has indicated to us that this is quite a big project and cannot be completed in one year. And one of the discussions we are driving with the National Treasury is how do we go uh, about ensuring that Transnet is given time and space 
to basically get to a point where all these matters have been identified and disclosed, but in a very ring-fenced approach. And it does not then delay and derail the process of ensuring that the business performs and we deliver on the strategy. And that discussion is on the go. Uh, but also we are looking at improving the control environment, uh, Chairperson, and, and, and the automation of the system to improve uh, the identification and the reduction of any occurrence where it, it, it needs to be prevented. The last uh, uh, comment I would like to make in this regard, Chair, is that much as we have reported numbers in hundreds of billions in relation to the East regular expenditure, a, a question gets asked how much of this irregular expenditure is in relation to the current year and new contracts that were entered into. And we reported, uh, if you look at the 131 billion or the 104 billion of 2021, only 3.9 billion is around the contracts that were in the current year that we've identified as irregular. And if we break down that uh, 3.9 billion, what we notice is it was not a negligent kind of irregular expenditure. It, a significant part of this irregular expenditure talks to uh, TFR basically going to get security contracts on emergency basis, but on the basis that it may not tick certain bases uh, or boxes as irregular as, as emergency expenditure. We then had to report it as irregular expenditure, but uh, about over a billion of that uh, expenditure was about Transnet trying to uh, Transnet freight rail trying to get security contracts in place as quickly as possible to support the need to secure the infrastructure and to improve the movement of goods. And and it's a matter we are monitoring very closely and putting controls around it. So, Chairperson, if you look at the Transnet financial statements, they are not qualified in relation to reporting to uh, in, in, in line with the international financial reporting standards. The qualification relates to the fact that Transnet has this mountain of work to identify all irregular expenditure and report. And when the auditors looked at the books, it was clear there is some irregular expenditure that had not been identified, not only in relation to the current year, but all the years that needed to be identified. And as such, we then reported a qualified uh, audit uh, report, Chairperson. That is my last slide, and I'll give back to the Chief Executive. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Chair, I don't know do you, if you'd like us to pause at this point, but this is now towards the, the really uh, the end, also the subsequent events that you had asked about. Okay, if that is the end of your presentation, then it means we have to we have to go to all the members so that they engage the report. I hope you are confirming that uh, the, the, that's the end of your presentation so uh, far. No, uh, Chair, uh, can I just go through three slides? Uh, I think it's about three. It's not very long, which uh, really closes it, which is um, the, the next phase, which is, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, can you go back? Go go forward one. I'll go forward beyond that uh, one, please. No, the next slide. Yes, this slide. 
Um, so, Chair, one of the questions, uh, we, we then obviously have to report on subsequent events uh, that uh, happened after the end of the financial year. Um, the first one that you, you asked was the National Port Authority subsidization. Um, we are in progress, <coughs> excuse me, we are in uh, progress uh, with this uh, following the announcement by the President in, uh, on the 22nd of June um, this year. We, we're quite far down the line in terms of uh, ring-fencing the assets as was previously done, going through the process of uh, allocating uh, debt so that we create a, a proper balance sheet. The real challenge here in the end is going to be the fact that the National Ports Act must be amended uh, for uh, this uh, process to not pose a risk for Transnet's balance sheet. As it currently exists, it does pose a risk for, for Transnet's uh, balance sheet. However, in as far as getting a subsidiary as per the Companies Act, we well along the route of moving in that uh, direction. So it's a, it's, we're still in a bit of a, of a difficult uh, uh, situation and hope that there will be a, some policy resolution soon. Um, however, the subsidiary being created as per Companies Act MOIs have been approved, presented to the Department of uh, Public Enterprises, and we continue to work with them. Our biggest issue is that we do not want to have a negative impact uh, at two levels. Uh, the presumption actually is that the only transnet balance sheet will be affected. It has a direct impact on the ability of TNPA also to be able to fund uh, its operations because the cash, the general cash and the loans come directly from transit. So it's really important that we get resolution on in as far as this concern. However, as the subsidiary under the Companies Act, we are proceeding and uh, should be done with this. Uh, Baby, is at the end of the financial, when exactly should we be finished? Hello, Baby. Chair, I will continue. Are you done? No, no. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I was trying to get the details of the day. And then next, another subsequent event that arose was the unraised, uh, was the unrest in KZN and Gauteng, uh, which happened in July, um, uh, which had a, a definite impact on our operations. But fortunately, uh, it being localized in the Gauteng, the uh, KZN area, we were able to get to full operations within uh, th uh, three days. There were impacts on the on our operations directly, and also um, in terms of just uh, shortages of fuel, uh, food, uh, and essential medical supplies. But uh, fortunately, I think uh, this uh, did not have the greatest impact on us. We have, however, like uh, all other companies in South Africa, applied to Sasria for um, uh, uh, putting a claim for Sasria. So it definitely have a direct impact on our operations. With regards to the cyber attack, which then happened on the 22nd of July, um, which basically uh, we received the letter indicating that uh, we, we had been attacked in the morning uh, by within a few um, hours, we had been able to shut down the system. And fortunately by virtue of the team uh, under Pandalani Munyai being able to act fast, we were able to limit uh, the, da the damage. We didn't lose any data. We didn't pay any amount uh, as a ransom. 
We did, however, suffer in the sense that for about a month, we shifted uh, to manual operations right across the group, which did definitely reduce the efficiency and the speed with which we were able to move and also our ability to collect revenue uh, on the one side. Also, it had direct impact actually on the delay uh, uh, in terms of us releasing our financial results because there's just a period where we, we were struggling to get together all of the information. But I can say with the uh, chair that we have since um, uh, returned uh, to normal. There's one, of, there's one system in particular that we decided to discontinue and go out into the market and procure a new, new system because we felt it posed a, a risk without significant benefit for us. On the voluntary service uh, packages, we had a 5.9% uptake, uh, just under 3,000 employees right across the group. We were mostly worried about uh, operators of lifting equipment as well as uh, train drivers. And fortunately, these are located by corridor by port. Um, though the numbers were, were, were real, uh, the impact has not been uh, significant. And also just crucial that we fast track some of our training and licensing in the organization. But also the arrangement was that if it was a critical skill, we would then have a slower process of releasing uh, that uh, particular individual. And then lastly, we had the fire uh, damage, both, both in Richards Bay uh, as well as in uh, Maidenwolf, where there were serious fires which led to the damaging, in fact, the collapse of a conveyor belt, our conveyor belt, uh, caused the collapse of uh, South 32's conveyor belt. Um, and for a while, it was definitely touch and go for South 32. We then, as a preemptive um, action, had to cut down the south, the sulfuric acid uh, pipe and water that delivers uh, to Fosco so that we'd be able to then fast track the process of remedial uh, action and also dropping, dropping the, the collapsed um, uh, conveyor belt without causing additional damage. Look, Chair, this, uh, Honorable Chair, what we can say, and Honorable Members, is that these fires have been a definite eye-opener to the extent of um, neglect of basic operations uh, inside Transnet. I'll give you an example. In Rifts Bay, there are 87 conveyor belts. One of the conveyor belts is four kilometers long. Now, what we're told is that the conveyor is supposed to have 20 people working on it at any given time uh, because it helps with making sure that uh, whenever there's drop uh, spillage, uh, there are people who are able to pick up the spillage, put it back on the conveyor belt, and that we can able to clean the conveyor. But we reduce the numbers from 20 to eight workers. That would lead uh, to a workaround uh, by the workers. So what happened is that when the fire caught on one part of the conveyor belt, by design, conveyor belts has, uh, have multiple layers of safety um, safety mechanisms. So you should it should have stopped the conveyor belt operating, but it didn't. Our case it continued to operate, and that's how the fire spread. Number two. We've had an increased volume and also types of commodities that we use on these conveyor belts. Uh, we get fined if there's contamination. So the priority, the priority that we made was to clean the conveyor belt after each commodity use. So some commodities are black, some are white, and you have to make sure that there is actually no mixigenation between the two whatsoever. But then, which meant that on the side, you would have tinder uh, effectively just waiting. If there was a spark, it's built on the fire on the side. There would be quite a big, uh, a big fire that uh, arises. 
So what that's made us do, if you go into the next slide, please, is agree with the uh, unions to re to introduce a basic, a back to basics program right across the transit in the ports and especially in British Bay with the conveyor systems as well as Maiden Wharf where there was a fire. A cleanup, a basic cleanup program has been undertaken and there's been significant progress right across the board. What is essential is that it's not just a, a response to the fire at the time, but rather becomes a standard operating procedure uh, uh, right across uh, the, the ports. Frankly, also, we need to start re-looking at how we are staffing are we, in terms of numbers that we have and also in terms of operational leaders who every day walk at the terminal, make sure that the operations are efficient. We also, the issue of focusing on people, um, key, filling of key vacancies, yeah, operational vacancies also very crucial. And then also just the well-being uh, of our own people this is a basic duty to care so that maybe they might care a little for us as well. There's improvement in the asset uh, management program that we've spoken about around uh, ma uh, master service agreements with OEMs, ensuring that we stop, uh, that we use um, uh, IP parts which are for by the OEMs and for to ensure that we retain uh, the warranties. And then um, there's the whole issue around network renewal, which is we've got to fix the system. Because if we don't fix the system, things break, we have derailments, and we think that that's done um, by other people and to us. The, um, uh, the other issues are around just safety, uh, predictability of our operations, and a real focus on, uh, on security. Um, next slide, please. Apologies. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. That's uh, it from our side. Chair, you are muted. Yeah, I was trying. Um, there was a disturbance in my gadget. Uh, thank you so much, uh, CEO, and your team for such a comprehensive, long presentation. I hope the members have dotted their questions of clarity their comments and everything. I will uh, give them an opportunity now to engage in the presentation. Uh, I hope you will also be ready to note those questions so that you can be in a position to respond as you presented this long and comprehensive uh, input, which uh, provokes a lot of questions, obviously, among members of parliament. Uh, honorable members, that is the presentation by the CEO, by the board chair. Um, let's begin shooting, uh, not literally, 
Uh, I will start with the Honorable Jamin, as uh, followed by, of course, Honorable Kachalia. Yes, can we go accordingly? Uh, thanks, Chair. Good morning, colleagues. Uh, may I not switch on my video because I have connectivity problems here, uh, but I have been following discussions. Uh, I think in the main, uh, I want to start with the issue that, that was raised by the CEO in her closing remarks in terms of uh, the personnel that was supposed to be, the number of people that were supposed to be mending the, the conveyor belt and the subsequent fires. Uh, and maybe look at uh, the factors that may have contributed to that in terms of uh, how uh, the money has flown from uh, government to Transnet in terms of uh, budgets. And I know the decision not to, to, to pump money to these SOEs anymore is there, but uh, these are some of the, of, the, of the consequences of such decisions. Uh, I'm also aware that uh, as Honorable Kachala is going to speak after me, he's going to paint a picture that all is bad at Transnet. Uh, but having looked at the financials that were presented to us, it's not all divisions that are making a loss. Uh, I would take Transnet Engineering and TPT, for instance. Those are the divisions that seem to be uh, not doing well. But with TPT, understanding that they are dealing with pipelines which transport uh, gas and fuel most, mostly and other, 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 other commodities. I think it, 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 this issue of security is going to be a factor to a certain extent in terms of securing the, 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 the pipeline itself uh, because people tend to use trucks more now maybe because our pipelines are not as safe as they ought to be. Uh, now we are, from what we've been presented, we, uh, we intend to use private security companies uh, more often than not. Maybe it's time we revisited uh, the old arrangement of having a dedicated uh, police that would look after our, our, our rail and pipeline. Uh, because Transnet is going to, to, to tell us very soon that uh, subcontractors are sometimes uh, found to be the ones uh, stealing cables and, and uh, railway lines because they want to extend their contracts. Well, it, it, it would make sense uh, because the basic principle of business, for you to thrive as a business, you must create demand. So maybe we need to take that responsibility and house it a transnet internally uh, so that we minimize some of these things, if that's going to be possible. Uh, two, the safety at our, at our ports. Uh, there's one incident that I'm not too sure if it's related to transnet or not, but the discovery of the, of the container at, 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 at Mobeni, uh, it had arms and ammunition. One would assume that container came through the Durban port. And when the looting happened, uh, the people ended up getting hold of that container and 
as such, we have more guns and ammunition now in the townships that are not registered and accounted for because they were stolen. Maybe it speaks to also the, 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 the sensitivity with which we deal with, we treat uh, with the, the things that would generally pose a security risk to both Transnet and the country because these, these, these arms and ammunition were, were important, but they never really reached their destination. They were in a warehouse, house there, looting happened and they landed in wrong hands. One would have hoped that the people who import these things take better care to ensure that they don't land in wrong hands. There shouldn't be a delay in terms of your, your arms getting to South Africa and you keep them in a warehouse. That's why everyone is required to have an armory, for instance. It's such things. And maybe we need to also take measure, the reasonable steps as a country to, to follow up on the, on the owners of the container, to, to look at what measures that they take to protect such a sensitive arsenal. Uh, on the whole, uh, colleagues, I think Transnet is is on a road to recovery. Uh, things will get better as soon as we we we, we expand uh, the port of Durban as the gateway to, to to Africa. And if we are able to do that, we are going to be able then to 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 to, to stimulate job creation job creation uh, from both uh, local auxiliary industries and uh, the, the vessels that would bring uh, cargo for, for the continent and sub-Saharan Africa to, 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 to the port of Tepe. Uh, the rail issue is still a, a bit of a mystery because as we heard, colleagues, from the um, budget statement that was delivered in Parliament, there seems to be a move to, 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 to allow the private sector to take over our rail network. Uh, as to how and the modalities of that, we are yet to be told, but it seems to be uh, uh, something in the pipeline. Uh, we'll keep a closer eye on that and see how it helps uh, our country and Transnet improve on efficiency and, and, and expand the business of, 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 of Transnet. Thanks, Chair. Thank you so much, Honorable Zamini. Uh, Honorable Kachalia. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, um, just before I begin in reference to the Honorable Zamini's reference to me, I think that was out of uh, place and, and not necessarily constructive. I hope you listen to my questions and my comments. They, are, they will be presented, as always, in the spirit of responsible oversight in a constructive manner to ensure that something and utilities and companies that are of particular importance to our country uh, economy are effectively and well uh, uh, answered and posed. That said, at a high level, let me uh, pose some questions and comments at a high level first, and then I'll move on to the specific uh, uh, questions that emanate from the uh, presentation. So in the previous financial year, revenue increased by 1.3% to 75.1 billion and net profit was 33.9 billion cash generated 
uh, from operations increased by 2.1% to 35 billion. Operating costs also increased uh, and EBITDA, EBITDA increased by 0.7% uh, to 34 billion. That was in the previous year. Now Transnet has recorded its first annual loss for more than a decade as revenues have plummeted in what has been described as a trying financial year. And the company post posted, as we know, an 8.4 billion loss down from 2.9 billion profit previously, marking the first loss uh, certainly in 10 years and revenue was down 10.5%. In the previous annual report, the global economy was expected and cited as such to remain subdued and the impact of COVID-19, of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, resulting in a, a slowing of demand was foreseen and documented. Challenges were identified then and a new strategic outlook with a renewed emphasis on the well-being of people, safety, customer service, asset utilization and cost control. Uh, the company was supposedly well positioned to become an agile and trustworthy freight support, uh, a freight transport and logistics partner, but this hasn't happened. Now we have seen the headline news of the plan that's uh, uh, the, the, that's contained in the in the presentation. And while there is some operational detail uh, for which I thank the presenters, there is not sufficient uh, explanation of how this will be achieved against downgrades to junk of your investment paper, procurement protocols that foster inefficiencies and inflated costs, loss of advantage to road in terms of volume, efficiencies and technology and the adjacencies beyond your control. Example, for example, economic stagnation, zero effective capacity of safety and security apparatus to stem theft and vandalism. Also, and this is important uh, because it was mentioned, uh, the revenue loss and impairments referred to by way of explanation for the 8.4 billion loss reported, taken against the previous year's profit of 3.9 of 3 billion, plus the loss incurred this year, would still result in a significant, if lesser loss, and certainly in the billions. So that's the high level. Now with response to the, specifically to the presentation, let's look at revenue. And in this regard, is the decrease in revenues due to volume or due to price? Assuming the impact of COVID and reduced economic activity, it is probably volumes which went down. If volumes went down, should we not also, should, shouldn't also operating activities come down and thus also costs? How come operating expenses increased by more than 10% after inflation while revenues decreased by 10%? In terms of the qualified audit, look, we understand that the PFMA and related or similar regulations place very difficult conditions on the operating environment and that many qualifications are recorded because of formalities also in the auditing process. Often these qualifications are as a result of strenuous definitions and are not related to substance of the business. Can you help us understand what the case is here? Are, are there any qualifications which you as leadership uh, of, the op of the operating business regard as a threat or a concern for the business and its integrity? Now, further, question, if Transnet is the integrated logistics chain support business, why does it not have a trucking fleet to complement to complement it, example, to complement, for example, rail, rail infrastructure? Do you view investment into infrastructure 
as an integrated decision across the three value chains of pipelines, ports, and rail, or are these decisions made on an independent standalone basis? To what extent are or should there uh, should should the three value chains manage be managed separately and independently? What is the rationale that keeps the three vertical all these three verticals under the same management? And to what extent will you allow will you allow private sector to, the private sector to invest or co-invest? Now, with regard to freight rail, please define what you mean by rail friendly. What kind of freight do you classify as suitable for rail versus roads? A road already about 10 years ago, the demand-led strategy was implemented, which is referred to. That was to no success, it seems. What can you tell us has changed? With regard to engineering, how many employees are within Transnet Engineering? And how will this workforce be reduced or redeployed if you don't have work for them? Now let's talk about Transnet port terminals. How many container moves are you achieving and how does this compare to best practice? To what extent is the total available terminal space for containers? And what is the average duration of a container in the port? What percentage of containers that go in and out of South Africa is being transported on rail versus road? The TNPA is the authority, yeah? It provides the license. Similar to ICASA providing the license to telco operators or NERSA providing a license for ESCOM. Yet you ascribe volumes moved by this authority. This sounds odd. Why would you discuss the authority as if it were an operational unit? Is this simply a mistake in the narrative or is it an actual, uh, uh, actually true that the TPNA is viewed as an operator? If so, where's the borderline to TPT? And insofar that borderline is vague or maybe ill-defined, this may also be a reason for substandard performance, no? How do you think about the seven or eight ports in this country? Are they being managed as if they were uh, one unit, highly optimized and led by the center, or are they being managed on a one-by-one -one basis, set up in competition with each other? With each other? What are, and what is international back best practice to achieve high-performing ports in this regard? You moved... Uh, as regards property, you moved from the Carlton Center to Waterfall, citing, amongst other safety reasons. Now you're moving back to the Carlton Center. What is the rationale and have the safety aspects been attended to? And what is the cost of moving? Uh, how big is, in terms of personnel costs, how big is the head office payroll in terms of cost and numbers? What are the totaling, what is the total consulting group spend per annum? And given the context of large monopolies being split into constituent parts to save group costs and drive efficiencies, uh, rail ports and pipelines do not have managerial overlaps. Overlaps. So why not split these? Where in, you know, where, where internationally today can you tell me does any company in this area manage all these under one entity? You must know, and I'm sure you do, that Canada Pacific and Canada Rail replaced the management of a team that they had by people with deep railway expertise and track records. They reduced the operating ratio from above 80% to below 60%. So are you employing people like this or are you continuing with deployment? If so, why aren't you following the Hunter Harrison example, which I'm sure you're aware of at all levels, top to bottom? Now in conclusion, growth is a key metric in all your strategies, but you're not a listed company. You need to fix efficiencies 
and not necessarily drive bottom line growth for your shareholder. You need to deliver public goods and you need to do so efficiently. So why not focus on that instead? Growth requires money in any event and that you don't have. So three final riders. What, what are the logistic costs as a percentage of transportable GDP? Um, by that I mean, for example, services don't need transport, so transportable GDP. This is what transit should be measured on. It will help disaggregate the relative advantages of road versus rail, for example. Then what is your net promoter score, NPS? What is your target? What is it now? Are you still measuring it? And if not, why not? And what is TFR's operating ratio? which shows the efficiency of a, company, of, of, of a company's management by comparing the total operating expense of a company to net sales. What is the trend and how does this compare to benchmarks? Thank you. I will send uh, these questions to, uh, the, uh, to, the, to the CEO uh, uh, by email for, uh, for ease of answering and uh, reference as a aid memoir. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Kachalia. Uh, Honorable Maudwe. Thank you very much, Chair. Chair, it took Transnet the whole two hours to present. And now we're left with very few minutes. I don't think we're going to get concrete answers from here, but I'll nonetheless ask um, the questions. Now, we sit here today and Transnet is presenting to us a revenue loss of 10.5%, a net loss of 8.4 billion rands from the profit of 2.9 that they recorded last year. We sit here and we've got a EBITDA that went down by a whooping 42.8%. Now that tells you that the strategy that they've been embarking on, it's clearly not working. Isn't it time that Transnet goes back to looking at revenue outside the SADC region. I mean, there were projects that were identified in the past in Ghana, in Nigeria, in Senegal. Isn't it time that this project get revisited now? Because clearly now there seems to be some sort of um, uh, motivation or interest since uh, the last time the GCE hosted the president of Ghana. Perhaps this is a time that now Transnet needs to look at revenues beyond the SADC region. The second question, Chair, is the Transnet Strategy 4.0 was approved in 2017 and emphasized on efficiency in operations as well as growth, led from logistics opportunities from outside as well as leeching on the opportunities created by the fourth industrial revolution. Why was it abandoned? Because now we're told of efficiency in the Deben ports, something that could have been addressed by the Transnet Strategy 4.0, which was duly approved by the board. The third question is, Transnet recently lost a case against Newland, where Transnet claimed that Mr. Siabongagama signed the contract fraudulently, unlawfully, and was therefore the contract uh, being illegal. Now, the judge dismissed all that and said that this case is a revisionist, it's unconvincing, and it's false. Now, the question is, how many more revolutionary contracts like this have not been implemented because of this type of petty suspicions and investigations? Does the management not believe that what prevents the company from moving forward is the culture of fear and indecisiveness that has been brought into the company since 2018? In, with regards to the voluntary severance package, 
check why were they indiscriminate and everyone who applied basically giving a package without due regard for the skills requirements of the organization going forward does the ex executive know what skills are required for the entity to succeed in the future i mean the gce was telling us about repair and growth how are you repairing and growing the organization when you are letting go of the skills that previously were there in transnet that previously with those skills transnet managed to record high levels of profit and high levels of um, uh, EBITDA. Today we sit here, a loss of two, from 2.8 to 8.4 billion rand. And you've just let go of the same people that used to make Trustnet to be profitable. How are you going to move this entity forward? And Chad, my last point is, I mean, if you look at just the very first slide that the GCE presented, the container business, you've got lots of containers but what gets into the port is far much more than what went through the rail. So basically your road to rail, to rail strategy is not working because how come you've got more containers in the port? How did they arrive at the port? It means they arrived through road and not through rail. So why are you not leveraging on that to say, let's bring all these containers back to rail? For us, that's a low hanging fruit. Those are the things that you need to leverage on to put the, 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 the profit profitability of the organization forward. But Chair, finally, I've got no trust in the GC. I've got no trust in the chairperson of the board. They've just shown us that they don't have any capacity to run this entity. They must actually resign because for the first time, Transcend has recorded such a huge loss. It should be an embarrassment to both the chair and the GCE. I thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Honorable Mawoto. Uh, Honorable Piri. Uh, thanks, Chair, and uh, let me uh, forward my greetings to the chairperson of the board and uh, management or executives that are present in the platform, and greetings to my colleagues. I I won't be long as I, uh, it's fortunate for me to also have a bite because I'm inside the bus chair. I mean, the, uh, in the village, I'm going to, you know, our buses are leaving now. Uh, but let me just go quickly to have a bite and say, I want to appreciate, you know, the long presentation, even though it took two hours, Chair, it was very fruitful, informative. You know, I want to applaud woman, a woman. Uh, I believe you said it's Portia. Uh, you know, she she made a, a presentation that is you 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 feel the understanding. You know, I I feel or we must say it and praise it when a person understands the organization and she's not found wanting. The way she presented, she even made us uh, not to be hard at thinking because she could explain the reasons and therefore I want to say bravo to the presenters. Uh, they did a very wonderful job. It shows they understand the environment that they are working in. At the same breath, Chair, my question, I want to focus it firstly on the gender balance or uh, you know, female representation in the entity to say you are still a bit far from the 50% that some of us we are anticipating or the government has said. Then I want to say 
or question to the chairperson of the board in making sure in the executives and in the entire entity, how are you going to deal or what is the strategy to make sure you attract more women, women with brains, the way we have seen the presenters doing well. And at the same time, we we are also witnessing through your report the imbalances of persons with disabilities that are in the institution. You are not, they are not represented well as much as you are saying you, you had your own target of 3.1, but you are at 2.2, which it's, it's, it's a worrying factor. We've got, I've got personally interest of um, persons with disability to be part or to be employed and show their capacity as well as women. So my first two, one question, that will be true because it's people with a disability and at the same time with women. Chair, as I proceed uh, to the issue of uh, transnet property, you know, it's a worrying factor that uh, we have seen or we are witnessing as an entity uh, the new revenue decreased marginally from 1.1 billion in 2020 to 1 billion in 2021. Uh, so you know, my question is that the operational expenditure increased from 768 million in 2020 to 778 million in 2021. And as much as we are observing this, what is the main strategy for the executive and uh, the board to cap such a decrease that we are all observing in, in the entity? As I move forward, I only I don't have a lot of them, but also I've got interest in their finances in terms of the AG's report. Uh, we are observing or there are other aspects that they are not doing well, but then when they presented, it shows that they are following it up, but it keeps on coming back to say they've got queries or findings that they are not complying with in terms of uh, legislation and they are highlighted uh, in their report so can they give us you know a trust and their consequence management in terms of what are they doing if ever it's the issue of human negligence if it's the issue of themselves even not managing their uh, finances I let me pause the chair because I am about to get to the buzz and I believe it won't be very well for me to uh, interact while I'm in the buzz. I can't say everybody must keep quiet so that I must uh, interact with yourself. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Piri. Honorable Kwanaze was having a problem. Is she in a position to speak now? Obviously not. Okay. Honorable Clark. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I, I do apologize for the background noise. They're busy cutting the grass here in the park on the other side. Um, number one, um, Chairperson, 
I would like to know how many locomotives has Transnet got in their stock that cannot be repaired? What steps have been taken in order to address the repairs and services aspect in relation to these locomotives due to the suspension of the 1064 OEM contract? What is the progress in terms of the 1064 locomotive tender in terms of fraud and corruption? And how many officials have been found guilty? And what is the status quo of those officials um, in terms of um, the financial value outcomes? And um, will these officials be made to pay this funding back? Um, then, due to the inefficiency of rail network and companies that have shifted their goods from rail to road, what is Transnet doing to make rail network safe and attractive? And, and how will it make rail transport competitive within the market again? What is the entity doing to secure its railway network, which has been affected by vandalism and theft? And what are the financial losses due to this? And I'm not just speaking about the rail network, but in many cases, um, if you go onto any site where there are buildings for, for uh, local stations, those have been plundered to the ground. I mean, I just take um, in um, Katlohung, I visited a railway station about two months ago, and I mean, a fairly new building it was before, and there is absolutely nothing left of that building, and it's very sad to see that. What has Transnet done dealing with continued breakdowns and the upgrade of current aging infrastructure? Has Transnet got the necessary funds for the upgrading of aging infrastructure? And over what period will this be addressed and what would be the estimated cost thereof? How will Transnet deal with the continued fuel, fuel, fuel theft that occurs on a regular basis? And how many cases of such fuel theft have been opened? Has these cases been successfully prosecuted? And what does these incidents amount to in terms of financial losses? Then in terms of irregular, fruitless and wasteful expenditure, it has been highlighted by the AG for the past six years on his report. I mean, what consequence management has been instituted against the perpetrators of irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful expenditure? Can I request that a report come to the committee in terms of this aspect so that we have a detailed breakdown? What corrective measures have been put in place to address shortcomings within internal controls and what, and what are those, um, uh, 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 what are those uh, internal controls that they're going to use to make waste, to, to deplete their wasteful and fruitful, uh, fruitless expenditure? What training and support is given to enable um, the executive and staff um, to correct this and to execute their duties responsibly? Then, um, Chair, if I could just ask, you know, um, in the report they spoke about procurement through the middle person and this um, practice needs to um, come to an end. I mean... Um, if you use a middle person when you procure a tender, I mean, surely this is not in line with what the PFMA prescribes with. Um, what is the financial impact in terms of this practice? You know, um, surely if you, if you do this, you're sort of double dipping and the expenses becomes double as well. 
and what consequence managers, management has been put in place to eradicate this practice. Um, then also, just, just for clarity, um, are there vaccine sites um, within, within Transnet sites and how successful are those being used? Um, what will Transnet do to rehabilitate? I've already asked that, sorry. Um, has there been a benchmark in terms of hijacking um, uh, on, on rail networks in terms of coaches versus road transport? at all. It will be interesting to see um, how, how many of our trains are being hijacked versus um, truck transport. Um, they also speak about Mozambique um, uh, um, producing, uh, manufacturing 300 high side wagons for us um, at the cost of 360 million rand. Um, and, and I would like to know, is there a maintenance program included with, with this um, project and has South Africa not got the capacity to manufacture these wagons to lower the costs? Um, and then um, the, the report also speaks um, um, that the target of increased rail utilization at the port of Durban would be from one train every two weeks to four trains per week um, I would really like to see a progress report to see whether um, those targets are kept to and that they are realised. And then how many buildings do Transnet lease and at what cost factor? How many buildings do they own? And of those buildings, how many are utilised? And then also uh, in terms of the presentation, there was a, a point made that, um, and I would like this to be clarified, it says skilled cater black employments, uh, employees 14,606. You know, and when I hear skilled cater, I would like to know, does that mean that you need to be an ANC card carrying member to qualify for these jobs? Um, because it's been a huge um, discussion in parliament with the president around cater deployment. And then um, the net loss that amounts to 8.4 billion, what does this equate to in terms of the following? Fraud and corruption, fruitless and wasteful expenditure and loss control. And then can you also advise me if Transnet is 100% tax compliant? And then there was a whole slide in terms of Transnet's deep dives and what they want to, in terms of their targets and what they want to realise, Chair. I, I would like to put in a recommendation that, um, that that particular slide and all the aspects on that slide, that we get a quarterly report to see how Transnet is actually doing in terms of what they want to do to turn Transnet around, because I think it's very important that we exercise oversight around that to see whether um, things are improving within Transnet. Thank you, Chair. That's it. Thank you, Honourable Clark. Uh, before I give to Honourable Gomede, I think uh, I can answer the question in relation to whether there are jobs that are preserved for the ANC in Transnet. That one is a leader of the ANC. I can answer that. 
I don't need to wait for Transnet to respond to that question. There is no job in the country, in any public entity, that is preserved for ANC members. And two, CADA development has not, CADA deployment has nothing to do with membership of the ANC. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Commander. Uh, uh, good afternoon, uh, Chair, uh, and all colleagues to the DPE Transnet under the leadership of a CEO, the Chair of the Board, and all other members present on the, the, the platform. Chair, I, I wish to say that uh, the presentation uh, has been or is well presented. Thank you very much for the presenters to have shown a thorough insight into the organization and the understanding of all the complexities that are within perhaps the, the, the organization. It was a kind of a, a, a fully packed presentation. Let's accept and acknowledge that uh, anyone who would have listened very much carefully will understand that uh, there are a lot of follow-ups that may be required. It concurs, Chair, to your comment when you made your preamble that uh, it looks as if we need to meet quite too frequent with um, a, a, a Transnet because the longer we leave it, the more distorted, perhaps undistorted questions we may find ourselves having to ask them, uh, which in fact it's not doing any good to the organization. Chair, I must say that Transnet is one of that organization that by any chance, as the committee, we can't lose it. Any effort is required that it be assisted. Uh, in the words of uh, the chair of the board, it's one of those things as much as he was referring to crime, but helping, supporting uh, Transnet, we definitely need that kind of collective wisdom because it cannot be driven by Transnet alone. DPE is there, we must be there, improve on our oversight, improve as well the frequency of meetings so that we don't find ourselves having to have a very large gap between us 
uh, in such a way that we'll then come here and ask perhaps questions that in fact may not be relevant. But Chair, I must say, as a Chair, at times, uh, there are members of uh, this uh, perhaps committee who are very angry. It would be good that at times we find out why people are so angry. You know, you go to the extent of saying people must resign and what, 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 what. It's, it's, it's not about that. I think everyone has signed a contract. And if there is any kind of poor performance that is not to the uh, qualification or basis on, of the employment, I think those that in fact uh, employed her or employed any other person, we will then follow the procedures correctly. Let me remind this house. I want to say on the 20th of uh, February, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm very accurate here, 2020, uh, the CEO was uh, employed. So if we are correct, it's only this financial year ending, which in fact has its a kind of responsibility, if we can say that. But as a person who is taking over, we will understand that all other things that happened previously, they will then be lumped to the CEO who would have been uh, employed at the time. I'm making this so that people understand. This is the second time that the CEO has done the presentation. The first presentation that she gave us, that was excellent. All of us were happy that, yes, we have done a good thing. This is the second one then. You understand, as well as I, I can't rule out Nongulego and uh, her performance as well was very good. I think she answered some of the questions that I, in fact, wanted to ask, but it doesn't stop me from asking other, uh, uh, other questions. Chair, if I may go into uh, the questions, I'm, I'm happy that uh, the, 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 the chair of the board did touch on uh, the, the, the state capture. I, I, I'm not sure. I want to find out from the, 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 the chair. In, in terms of uh, the remnants or the elements of the state capture, uh, in his assessment, how much are still remaining inside? Because that's quite too critical. He as well touched on uh, procurement issues. I think I was much more interested on uh, procurement issues because I want to believe that's the one that has given us a qualified uh, statement. Uh, how do we appoint contractors that do not qualify? Uh, you know, it's a, I don't know, I'm not sure of a, a, a middle person that's doing whatever that's being done, but in terms of procurement, uh, you cannot take a person who, in fact, did not make 
the grade in terms of pricing or it could be any other things but in this sense there were those contractors that in fact were were were, were, were taken on board uh, which did not get the required scoring as well as their pricing exceeded the the, the, the tender price in terms of uh, pmfa as well as procurement uh, procedures that in fact it's incorrect i'm happy i'm as well happy chair because i understand that it's a, it's a kind of a projection the ceo says to us for her the 22-23 is the year that she will be on the hilltop. But I want to say, if I want to help her, that she must have swept the entity clean. Get out all those elements that in fact will drag your name down work on those remaining elements of state capture then you'll get to the hilltop because i've got no doubt that you know your work you know the entity everything it's fine it's only that you may not have mastered some other corners because people you found them there and they are doing their own things within perhaps uh, the department uh, you, the, the CEO as well mentioned, you know, he, she expressed a, a concern on uh, the pandemic. With this, uh, especially the eve of new variant, how much are we prepared? Are we ready to receive that? In fact, we should have given condolences to those, uh, the families of the 155 uh, members that in fact uh, were lost, uh, who were in the employ of uh, Transnet. Chair, the, 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 the CEO as well mentioned that uh, there are weak, uh, weak assets like uh, agriculture as well as property what mechanism what do they have in place to boost them because that's much more important you know i i had as well our colleague mentioning especially the area of properties that, that that's too serious uh, the debate yesterday was about those properties uh, before they can sort of be taken away from uh, from transnet uh, through the custodianship uh, we must make sure that uh, it's being used and uh, it's used appropriately the the other question that i have is because it, it's perhaps i'm failing to interpret it what is the impact of receiving waiver on your debt because these are some of the things that are saying when uh, you received your qualification 
in fact, you were going to receive a waiver. What in fact is the meaning of uh, all that? Uh, the the explanation by Nongululewa, I think I'm, I'm very happy with her explanation because I was saying if some people can explain some of the concerns we have, what made the department or the entity fail to explain those things to the Auditor General? Because that in fact was too critical. Uh, for, I don't know how it is done, but it was too critical for the AG to understand, to get your input and the interpretation in the whole thing. Perhaps uh, going towards the end is a situation that says for four years, which I think it includes this, we've been receiving a qualified uh, report. Uh, what makes, in fact, Transnet to fail to implement matters that are raised by the Auditor General? Because that's, that's too critical. In fact, failing to implement that, it's a recipe for uh, another qualification in the following year. That will be much more important that those things then be done and be attended to. Uh, perhaps on the side of uh, the, 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 the CEO, what strategies do they have now? Because we can see that it becomes, since those uh, the, four, the, 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 the four years, all matters that have that have been raised by the auditor general have not been implemented. So this time around, we want to ask a question: that in your kitty, what strategies do you have that this time around all those matters that in fact were raised by the AG are attended to, so that at the end of the day, all of us who are happy and we are getting a clean audit. Thank you, Chair. I'll wait there for today. Thank you, Honorable Lame. I mean, Gumede. Uh, we are moving to Honorable Hutelis. Chair? Yes? I hope you did not forget me. Who is me? It's Honorable Komani. Oh, I didn't see you. I did take you, actually. I don't know why I could not pick you up at all. Okay. Uh, you will come in after Honorable Butelezi. Thank you very much. Honorable Butelezi. Oh. Seemingly, Honorable Butelezi is not here. Come, Honorable Komani. Very much, thank you very much, Chair. I think I'm tempted, Chair, to say this statement. As members of this committee, uh, we should not make a mistake of, of, of confusing concerns to anger. Uh, uh, that is that was my statement. Thank you, uh, anyway, thank you very much, Chair, for the presentation. 
by Transnet and I greet all the members of the portfolio committee and everyone in the meeting. Chair, I've got a few questions. Let me just start by saying, number one, how many locomotives are packed on the coal line and when will the maintenance contract with the CRCC be finalized? What volume levels will be achieved in the coal line this year? And what direct, what drives this? I'm, 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 I'm asking this question, Chair, being cautious of the fact that I know that Transnet would cite the cable theft as one, uh, as one of the factors, but uh, 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 maybe one is raising this question with, 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 the, with the clear mind that that might be a, a part of the, of the response. Number two, Chairperson, what is the nature of, of the collaboration with the private sector on security matters on the, on the coal line? Is it true that security in trans, Transnet freight rails is now run by a private company? If so, was the process followed to identify the, this company and what are the pertinent details for this engagement with such a company? The value of the contract, how much is paid monthly, and what are the performance, performance requirements from such a company? Number three, Che, the top layer of management at Transnet is all new, if, if you can just uh, look at it. What logis logistics expertise do the current leadership have? From which logistic cooperative entities and how is it useful in providing the critical direction that Transnet requires at this time? Why does it appear that most of the executives are former government employees who, are, who either work at the DPE, uh, when the group uh, CE, uh, the GCE was a DG at DPE, or are they reg a regular regulatory experts from the DOT? Number four, Chen, what is Transnet's international strategic direction and mandate nowadays? Is it true that the mandate is reduced to only projects in the SADC region? If SADC is an area of focus, why was the Zimbabwe project cancelled, which would have enabled Transnet Engineering to, ex to export rolling stock to Zimbabwe? The final uh, uh, question, Chair. The president of Kenya was given a tour of TE facilities, and they are outside of SADC. Is this another change of strategy and direction and a realization that growth can only come from collaboration with other African states. Uh, thank you very much for now. Thank you, Honorable Komani. Now we're coming to Honorable Malinga. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Greetings to yourself. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm audible, Chair. I'm uh, suffering from what uh, Honorable Piri is uh, suffering from, I'm on the bus from the village to the precinct. Uh, let me also greet uh, the colleagues uh, on, on the platform and Transnet and our support staff chair. Chairperson, let me also welcome the presentation by Transnet and start where Honorable Kumede left off. 
with the AG's findings that it can't be correct that the AG will be finding for uh, for for that Transnet is not attending to. Can okay. we get a plan okay. on where, how they are going to? Yes, chair. Yes, I think you have to restart. You have been cutting. Oh, okay. You were starting about the Auditor General. Just start there. Okay, Chair. Okay. I was um I'm asking how will Transnet deal with the issues that were raised by the Auditor Auditor General for the past four years? If we can get a plan on that one, Chair. To Chairperson, uh, the issue of uh, them giving uh, contracts to people who do not make the grade, what are the consequence management? What is the consequence management for the people who have done that? Has anybody been suspended or is there any money recouped for those uh, contracts, Chair? Chairperson, let me also ask um, the issue of the security of our pipelines. What is their mitigation strategy to ensure that our pipelines are secured? And Chepesin, how, how far is the process of changing the, the copper wires that we were told when we went on oversight to put the new ones that cannot be sold to the scrap metals? How far are they with that project? Thank you very much, Chepesin. Thank you, Honorable Malinga. Uh, thank you, Honorable Malinga. Can we go to our last person, Honorable Shabalala? Thank you so much, Chair, and greetings to everybody in the meeting. Indeed, the two-hour presentation might not be really feasible at times, but I want to appreciate the presentation itself because it shows that uh, the colleagues went to town to ensure that we have much information. I think for the sake of managing of time, we might want colleagues when they've given us presentation to limit just the oration of the presentation itself. Look, Chair, for myself, really the question becomes uh, the, what we call the third uh, bullet is very problematic for me on the National Ports Authority uh, subsidization. If we take it, it means the implementation, they implemented before they could perform due diligence and economic assessment. Look at that slide on the National Ports Authority subsidization and look at the third bullet. And I think that it needs to be uh, corrected, uh, colleagues, if you were. Uh, look, you've got, I mean, you have um, four, what do you call them? Uh, like you have qualified audit over time. The point on the AG and what we do with the recommendations for me is very important and we can not overstress the matter of, um, of consequence management. Now, I want to know what progress has Transnet made in terms of implementing the pipeline security strategy to limit a fuel theft that was responsible for the lion's share of Transnet pipelines net operating expenses and the negative impact on the road to rail strategy. We saw a road gaining market share. And I think that that policy around moving from road to rail is quite important. Perhaps at a point of political at the executive level, we need to get an understanding how far is the discussions around that with the Minister of Transport. I think it's very crucial. 
critical. And as this committee must receive a report thereof. Now, has Transnet developed any remedial action to fast track the environmental remediation backlog to comply with relevant and applicable environmental legislation while maintaining organizational sustainability? I'm asking this question because Transnet pipelines operating expenses were huge, partly because of environmental remediation and, and rehabilitation costs. Another question becomes, what measures does Transnet have in place, A, to nurse the automotive back to life as the worst affected business segment within Trustnet port terminals in light of the uncompetitive tariffs for automotive and B, manufacture design wagons to uh, match the dynamic, dynamically uh, changing automotive model requirements. I'm asking also this question because the auto manufacturing chair industry employs around 120,000 and accounts for 14% of the total South African exports. Um, and the sec another question is that how far is Transnet in terms of responding to poor contract management in light of contract irregularities regarding the, the 1064 original equipment manufacturer contract? Another question, when will Transnet Engineering supply the remaining balance of 185 of 300 wagons secured by the CFM Mozambique to increase its external revenue? Um, another question, what consequence management has been instituted against the perpetrators of irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful expenditure? And I want to align that question when it comes to the issue of the under expenditure. I think under expenditure is a problem, Chairperson, and I think the, the colleagues within the uh, procurement process, if not the CFO, CEO, they need to really tell us the under expenditure. What are you doing about this under expenditure and what? how much money is going back to Treasury, because colleagues, we cannot continuously come to committees and approve budget, and you underspend on those budget while we need so much money, whether it was COVID-19 and we hear you, but if that's the case, you need to tell us what is going to be done and how we're going to spend that money in this remainder of this financial year. And, and, and you know, Transnet recorded a loss of 8.4 billion in the year ended 31st March 2021. They are far from underspending. And what is disappointed to me is that Transnet spends so much revenue on paying workers instead of investigating in key areas that sustains the entity like maintenance and expansion of operations. Know that I'm not saying that we must not spend in paying uh, colleagues. We need to employ because you would have even underspent when it comes to that uh, uh, money, when it comes to compensation. And I have a problem with that. Lastly, Chair, you know, there are areas where as, uh, Transnet has its own has properties and you would have where you would have Brasa that becomes the people that will operate in those properties. For instance, I'll give an example on Boisins uh, in Johannesburg. I'm sure you will know that property. I did make an issue about it and I did raise it to yourself. Till today, we've not found a solution. We have what we call Zamazamas, people, uh, illegal mi uh, miners under those property where Brasa would have its railway. However, it's your property. And we have seen lots of death, abuse of women and children in those things. We've tried to involve even the policing. The policing is always there, but they're unable to deal and keep this violence that we're seeing. And those people of Zamazamas, they really erect or rather they do an infrastructure 
underground. What is that we're doing? Because we cannot continuously have this property that we own to Transnet, where Transnet will even lease from yourself, the same state-owned entities, and they owe you so much money. And I would like to hear the board chairperson reporting to myself right now or to the committee to say how much do, does a Brasa owe to yourself so that we are able to gauge these things of entities budget, if not money, not evolving around, rather going outside and we owe each other. But while we're supposed to try to find a way how we can really operate and work with each other, within each other. Uh, the last point, Chair, you know, that you, 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 I think you've responded, the cadet deployment and, you know, it's unfortunate because these are officials, that these are public servants who are qualified, who are employed within the uh, value chain. And it's unfortunate that we come here, we want to perpetuate that all of them or many employees have catered deployment and so forth. It's, it casts aspersions on men and women here in Transnet. What doing, what they can do, what doing the most to ensure that we guard and we, we, we continue with this locomotive industry. We, be, we make it to such that it's pro, productive for South African citizens. But every time we come and we're telling them, we're pushing them, almost as if we're playing a political ball game with them, I really think as honorable members, it's really unfortunate. Yes, you can ask the president then you can go to parliament, make noise about that. But it cannot be that it comes out on this committee almost as if it's the truth that at the end of the day, everybody who's employed is catered deployed. It's wrong, colleagues. We really need to evaluate ourselves and how we interact with officials because they too are men and women who are qualified, who went to school to study for this industry, for them to work here. I mean, Portia is a woman who really drives this discourse and shows that she reports every time and you want to tell us and sit and say, no, everybody has catered. We don't have membership of everybody. In South Africa, everybody's got the right to vote for whoever that they want. So it cannot be that at the end of the day, as other political parties, we come here, we always point fingers at them because we will tell you different stories on catered deployment, Cape Town and everywhere else. But it cannot be correct that we leave it as such and we don't attend to this assertions that we keep on making. They're really unfortunate. But let me thank the Transnet and the board, even the board chairs, including our ministry for really providing the services, if not the support uh, uh, with the DG being involved in this meeting. Thank you so much, Chair. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Shabalala. You have even covered me as a result. I'm not going to be some of the issues that came in here, which are not necessarily uh, progressive, so to speak. Um, just to be critical about the report, I think uh, whilst one should appreciate the comprehensive nature of this presentation, uh, CEO and the chairperson of the board, However, I think my critique of the report is that it's more, it's more focused on operational performance. Of course, it's important, but uh, it falls short to provide us with a sense of strategic direction. And uh, I hope uh, next time when we meet at this level, whether it's not going to be about this annual report or other matters or translate will have to assist us with the 
strategic direction of the business. Uh, for example, the issue around the National Port Authority, which Honorable Shabalala made a, a very good point about this subsidization. Uh, if it's gonna have negative impact on Transnet financial statement, then it means something has to be done by Transnet in order to, to minimize that impact on Transnet. Um, I think we still need, I know for a fact that in your slides, there was something that was referring to the fact that there is a work in progress to deal with those facts. But I think I anticipated without having get that, that the, 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 that, that move is gonna impact very heavy on Transnet. And the, I think <clears throat> I will be getting those kind of details, but if there is some process to, 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 to detect and get exactly what is the impact will be, it will be helpful for us as a committee um, because we don't want to find Transnet in the same position uh, of TINEL, in the same position of SAA and other entities that uh, are in ICU or already waken from the dead. We don't want that to happen in Transnet. Transnet is very big. Uh, for us to, 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 to lose or including to weaken it. Therefore, any form uh, of a threat to, to the developmental agenda of ESCOM, I, I mean, sorry, of, of Transnet, we, it needs to be put in front of all of us so that we can be in a position to, 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 to engage and assist the, 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 this process. Uh, also, I think Transnet should consider embarking on diversification and use its capacity to enlarge its scope. And uh, I'm saying this because in our oversight, uh, Chairperson uh, of the board, in our oversight at Transnet, we're exposed to a massive infrastructure at Transnet that we never thought is there previously. And that make us to have higher hopes on the future of Transnet and its centrality to this economy that is in crisis in our country. As we talk now, we are sitting at 42% of unemployment and Transnet to me has a potential to contribute substantially to reduce that 42. Uh, challenges such as the theft of cables, vandalism by private interest. I'm emphasizing that because I know for a fact that the problems that we have at the ESCOM 
of burning of fire and uh, undermining the good work that has been already done to build those uh, power station there is now undermined by private interest by the companies that were procured to build those who doesn't want to to, to leave that that that, 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 that the entity who still want to continue accumulation i mean accumulating there at all costs you know i think even some of the vandalization that taking place at transnet is also possible be the private uh, interest you know and we can prevent that by massive employment of our people at a reasonable basic wage just to relieve them to have food on their table uh, CEO and the chairperson we need to find a way of contributing you know the problem of the private companies uh, they don't have the same responsibility that we have as a state they don't have a responsibility to to pay free education to pay social grant to build for poor people houses which we do have therefore to me uh, rather than continuing uh, empowering people who are not thankful it was better to employ our people direct some of the things don't need project they just need projects like, like your peer, like the, the, the people the pwps that we have at uh, the government level you can do that as a, as, as a transnet just to have people doing that and protecting the infrastructure that is there and the a mechanism is needed i know transnet is playing a very 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 great role in terms of build black economic empowerment in the country and uh, i don't see any other entity that is contributing to build uh, black economy I mean, black business than transnet you know I, i still want to know which other entity that has have a massive impact in terms of transforming our economy than transnet therefore on those basis we need while we are doing that but not do that at the detriment of the bigger agenda of our country uh, that's that's my, my comment is just comment i'm not asking any question because my colleagues have asked a lot of questions but i know for a fact that while my colleagues an avalanche of of questions a long list of questions some of us we are being uh persuaded to raise these questions by business interest by the way uh we, i know for a fact myself i'm always uh, conducted some by business interest complaining about this and that therefore all of us we we are engaged some of the questions we ask here are not genuinely about improving i'm not trying to cut aspersion on our members i know myself as a member that 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 happened and i i can't be the only target i know most of us we are asked and given information by private interest you know therefore we have to 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 to, 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 to try to live above those influences thank you chair i'm sorry uh, uh members i will give this time to transnet
to respond. I know for a fact that with the time that we have, you might not be able to respond to all the questions. But Honorable Kashalia raised a very important point that he, he will write some of the questions directly to your office, CEO, and you will do the same. I think others who have those list of long questions might uh, do the same. Because of time constraint, we all have to be at the, those who are based in Cape Town, like myself, we have to be in parliament at three o'clock. Thank you, uh, Transnet. Let me give you CEO opportunity. Okay. Before they, 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 they respond. Okay. Yes, Chair. I, I'm asking in the interest of time and in the, in, in the interest of justice, is the time that we are left with going to do justice to the to transnet to, 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 to respond to our questions? So we, we need to, 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 to make a determination as to whether they are responding or how is it going to be because they cannot just respond uh, for the sake of responding, given the time constraints. I'm just asking. Uh, I, I, that's why I was saying that, Honorable Komani, that let, let's give them an opportunity to, 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 to ask those questions that they can now. But members must also forward their questions. It's either to, to, to Mr. Tisang Mochumi, the Secretary of the of, of, of this uh, portfolio committee so that he can be able to, to, to send to them. But at the same time, if we won't be able to answer, we'll determine together with the, Mr. Mitchum whether we can recall back Transnet to engage as we normally do, perhaps early next year, because we are closing end of this week. Um, I think we, 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 we agree on that, the honorable members. Okay. Um, Ms. Debbie. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, let me, I'm sorry, Chair, I just missed, uh, and also until 1.30 is what you're giving us. Honorable Chair. I'm sorry, my cousin is giving me. Uh, no, continue, CEO. Uh, when I see the time, I will just limit you to 10 minutes or five. Warn you so that you prepared yourself to go ahead or you stop and just continue until they left with 10 minutes, give you something like that. Okay, all right, thanks. Chair, may I just intervene here and perhaps say, would it not be more sensible, given the importance of all the questions raised by all the members uh, with regard to the presentation, and given that we don't have, I mean, really much time between now and the sitting, and people have to get from A to B, uh, that everybody sends their questions through to Transnet. These are either answered in writing, or a mixture of writing and a recalling of Transnet in the new in the new year to to deal with these because otherwise we're going to get very short shift replies. I mean, really, how much? It's now eighteen minutes past one. 
uh, how long are we going to sit here for? If we if we have another hour, hallelujah. But if we don't, I don't think it's possible. But that's just my suggestion, sir. Yeah, I don't think we do have another hour. Uh, uh, yeah, you raise a very important point, Honorable Kachali. Can I get a second to Honorable Kachalia's question? Perhaps we come next year, we prioritize our first interaction is with Transnet to take this process forward, including responding to those questions that the members will be sent right. So that we just, when you get to that meeting on the first week uh, when you open, the first thing, they answer all those questions. And if we've got follow up, go for the follow up. Can we agree to that? I second, Chair. You second, Honorable Command. Agree, Chair. Chairperson, if I may speak on that point, um, I agree that questions be written and be sent. But I liked the idea that the Secretary of the Committee be the one who aggregates those questions uh, and send them as a composite document to Transnet so that you don't have a situation, Chairperson, where some members say they send their questions, uh, they got lost on the way, they, or they're not responded to. But if it comes through the Secretary of the Committee, we know it's a composite document and we will all get it. Um, so I would, I, would, uh, I would do that. At some point, I would like us to return to this issue of cadre uh, because I think there, there's been a bit of confusion as to what a cadre is. It's associated with the ANC. I know the chairperson has responded to it, but uh, uh, maybe we'll deal with it in the written response as well. Yeah, it's part of the entire package. Let, let, let's, let, let's agree. We will be, members must send it directly to, but also Mr. Mutu will collect the amount of the questions that will be, some members will be sent both sides. It doesn't matter. We can use both. Either we send it through the, 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 the office of the CEO, but all those, I'm going to send another copy to Mutunsa have a collection of all those questions packaged to, 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 to be responded to on that meeting. Uh, I think the proposal seconded by Honorable Komani, and there's the, no objection to the. Hey. Uh, Lamini? Hey, uh, as, as, as we agree to the proposal, uh, let us also make a note that the questions we asked in our oversight visit to Cape Town have not been responded to. Maybe we can then agree that this is the second set of questions. Okay. Uh, many our honorable, I mean, Mr. Debbie, CEO, be having another hour of responding to all this, including the, the question we raised on our oversight that we're supposed to reach office. I hope they are, you will have to get all that. If you can interact with Mr. Mitumi, the Secretary of this, this Portfolio Committee, to get all that particular information at the party. So that when we meet, you respond to them as a whole, together with the chairman of the board, and also the minister. Of course, we we, we hope that you will be there. We're together. Honourable Chair, can um, just 
if I if I may, I and I'm support. I'm comfortable. We will deal with all of the questions from the previous time and uh, from from this session, and we will answer all of them. Uh, so let me start with uh, uh, an own goal. It is an own goal that we put out a document that wrote Kadri. We shouldn't have. Uh, so we should have picked it up in the editing because we know that it's a politically loaded word and creates all kinds of problems. So that's an own goal on our side. Uh, we'll definitely make sure that it doesn't happen. But Chair, I also just thought, um, and when we and happily uh, come back, and in fact, if I may uh, seek your indulgence, it would be much better if we came back in person, we'll submit the answers in writing, and maybe if we had an hour or so to uh, also provide additional detail uh, going into uh, next year, because even next year there'll be other issues. But I just want members to note, right? A profit uh, on paper of 2.9 billion rand is not cash in the bank. So let me come back to what happened last year. And really that's important because there's always a presumption. And really, um, I, mean, I mean no insult to anyone, but our literacy and understanding of financials, the presumption every time when you write, I made a profit of 2.9 billion, is that you're gonna to go to your bank balance and check and see 2.9 billion. It's never a truth. That's an accounting profit. What, I'm, what we're increasingly insisting in transport is that we wanna count the cash. So when it comes to the cash, I just want to give you a sense, Chair, of the situation. When TFR asked in the, last pre in the previous financial year, in the one in question, they requested 2.9. CEO. Yeah, sir. Are you keeping me quiet? Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, to stop you. You're trying to? To, 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 to stop you. Uh, because my understanding is that we're stopping the meeting now. We are oh, turning... Oh, yes, exactly. No, I thought I still had until 1.30. But if we're stopping it, I appreciate the energy. I appreciate the energy to continue engaging us. But we have agreed okay. that we're now in order for us to prepare to go to parliament and then we will come back early next year with all the questions packaged to your office so that you, when you come back, you do those in writing, including having to respond to them verbally, to all of them, despite uh, okay. further explanation and so on. And then from there, then the meeting continues. They will be giving you another hour to, 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 to respond or more to respond to all those questions. We know for okay. a fact that life is not stopping. There might be other developments that will add on top of that. We are mindful of that reality. All right. Okay. I stand down. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, let me take this opportunity to ask the DG if you would like, before I adjourn, we've got to the boss there of the Department of Public Enterprise, I want to behave as if he's not here. Uh, do you have any one short thing to say before I close, DJ? Hi, Chair. The DG had yeah. to leave the meeting. The DG had to leave the meeting for to join cabinet. I think there's a chief oh. director here. Okay. No, 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 no. He's not here. Uh, he's fine. Let us uh, thank everybody who have participated in this session today, uh, particularly 
Transnet uh, board led by Dr. Popo Molife. We appreciate your presence and your contribution to this meeting, sir. We also thank the CEO uh, and, and her team. We also thank the department, uh, which was led by the on uh, DG. Uh, we accept his apology. And we thank you members and the staff of this portfolio committee for all your uh, contribution and your presence to this meeting. And this meeting is adjourned now. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Chair. Recording stopped. Thank you. Bye-bye.